Secretary, I watched President Bush deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in September 2003, in which he, he mentioned the crisis of the sex trade. The President called for the punishment of those involved in this horrible business. But at the very moment of that speech, DynCor was exposed for having been involved in the buying and selling of young women and children. While all of this was going on, DynCor kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccines and is now working on a plague vaccine through the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Today, March 19th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I think this is an especially important show. Today, we are going to be focusing specifically on what's happening on the ground in Ukraine in regard to who's actually working on the ground in Ukraine and when that started and how long it's been going on and the background of these entities. What you just saw there was Cynthia McKinney speaking at a congressional hearing about, about DynCor, addressing uh, Ronald Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld, and, and, and the interesting information around that, and his response is ridiculous. We'll get to that in the show. But to show you not only that this is happening, but this has been built, as we've been talking about. DynCor, Blackwater or Academy, whatever name they're going by. I know Academy is their official name, but people don't really recognize that today. And what their history is like and what they're really, I mean, these are mercenaries, guys. Military contractors. They're, they're soldiers of opportunity or whatever you want to call them. They're out there being paid to kill people. And because they fight for the right side, apparently that's okay. It's not murder as long as they're paid by the right person. It's really interesting to see how that is kind of how the hypocritical stance of all this plays out today. As long as you're on the right side of things, it doesn't really matter what you do, right? And we're going to go through all this today and show you the history. We're going to talk about Afghanistan to start and, and what's happening there and how DynCorp has a history there and how that ties over to what's happening right now in Ukraine. What, Black, what Eric Prince from Blackwater has been doing in Ukraine, a private army with $10 billion worth apparently before this ever started. So what's really going on here? And is this some little small group fighting against the insurmountable Russia, or is there something else that's been built? Just questions that you should be asking yourself, not to suggest in any way that that means that this guy good, that guy bad in regard to how the world perceives it in, you know, the, the binary choice. It could rightly be that they're all bad, and that's, that's usually what I kind of think in regard to these governments. But we're going to go through this today and, and walk through the information for people to see, as well as the Azov Battalion and how this all ties to that same group, or discussion, I should say. That these are their, these are groups that are paid by the U.S. government that are working alongside these same entities. And I don't just mean because they're operating in Ukraine. I mean literally operating alongside the very groups that we've proven to you are what they are now admitting they are in a really clumsy way. I'm going to get into that today, too. We already talked about how embarrassing it is to go from saying fake news because the president's Jewish, you racists. And then three days later going, okay, well, there is a problem, but here's why Putin's lying about it which I don't know how you jump in a couple of days to that. It's just embarrassing. 
Now we're going, oh, well, here's a neo-Nazi battalion, but they're killing Russian generals. So now they're going, wait a minute, <laughs> are we supposed to be okay with neo-Nazis? The people I think are, con I think the people that are supporting this are getting confused, just like with COVID-19 to some degree. Or maybe it's a, an experiment to see how well their social engineering and propaganda works. People are willing just to go along with whatever the new thing is. I saw a funny meme today with a person with a really small brain with all these Ukraine flags and COVID stickers and everything all of a sudden screaming, why aren't you thinking like we're supposed to think? And the person next to him with a big brain in his head is just kind of smiling. And it's like, you know, it, it, think about how ridiculous it is. And I'm going to make this point later in the show today. How, how is it possible that you can have an honest dialogue Whatever you think that means, an honest dialogue about any topic when you're not allowed to have certain opinions. I mean, really think about that. Now, yeah, you can decide certain things are really, really fringe and bad, but I still make the same argument. But take this back into the not so fringe and weird. How, simply just saying, well, what if I think that they're doing the right thing? What if I think that shot might be dangerous? I mean, not even to say those are my opinions, but is that wrong? Is it absolute? And, and people out there are going, yes, it is. That's the problem. You're allowed to have other opinions in a free society, even if they're wrong or disagreeing or incorrect. The bottom line is if you're not allowed to stand back and go, maybe he was driven to this action and not have a conversation about that. Instead, they just go, you're a Nazi or you're this or you're an anti-Semite or, or you're a propaganda or you're a dangerous conspiracy theorist. Just, just overflowing with words and concept, nothing that has anything to do with your statement or facts or information. That means we are literally not allowed to have dialogue. Then you should stand back and ask, okay, so how is it possible we can have a flow of information or, or a democratic society or left versus right, even binary, if you're not allowed to hold opinions, if you're not allowed to differ from the main idea? What it really shows you is there is one thing, and as always, that is a two-party paradigm, two uh, wings of the same bird, as people put it. That's what that shows you. It shows you that if you're only allowed to think one certain way within this construct, there's only one thing, and we need to recognize that. Now, to start off, kind of making that same point, actually, and I'm going to go through all that as we get into it today, you, I wanted to show you something live today that I think is really important. Now, you guys make up your own mind about what this is, because it could just be a glitch. That's always possible. First, I want you to see this is Twitter. As you guys have all experienced yourselves, I believe a lot of you have been saying this. I've been seeing this for months, long before... Doodlebug, I've been using, you know, TLAV, and even before that, you see this weird situation where you go to post a link, and it goes, and well, first, actually, oh, I think I have that backwards, hold on. Yeah, we're starting right here. Oh, I did, okay, well, starting with, okay, well, let's go, now let's start with Getter. So here's what happens on Getter right now. I go to try to post a link of The Last American Vagabond, and it goes, oops, there was an error submitting your post. Okay, that happens, I guess. And then you go to post it again, and it goes, oops, you already said that. Okay, first of all, that happens on Twitter. That was my point all the time for most of our accounts posting TLAB right now. That's what this is. Something went wrong, but don't fret. Give it another shot. And you try again, and it goes, up. Oh, you said that already. Now, on Twitter, as far as I can tell, it posts. I can see it. But usually it doesn't get, like, any engagement unless I retweet it or I post it. By the way, I used to think negative thoughts for people that I saw them retweet their own tweets, but now I understand why they do it because it forces it into the time feed. Maybe that's not why they were doing it, but that's why I'm doing it today. The point is, nonetheless, that, that it's still being shadow banned, I think. But what's interesting, on Gitter, I'm seeing the same thing. Oops. Oop, you did it. And then I go back and look. But guess what? It's not there. Now, oh, and I wanted to show you this live on Twitter. This is the same thing. Let's see, let's, let's see if it works on Twitter while I'm doing this. 
Yep, there it is. <laughs> Something went wrong. Whoops. And then you hit it again. Oops, you said that already. Literally every time. Like, we should laugh about that. Like, that is not by accident. Without fail, this is a form of censorship. I know that on Twitter for sure, right? But, and I'm not, I'm not saying it happens for everybody. I'm just saying I know for sure. I've, I've looked into this, and this, this is a form of sort of like soft pedal censorship, or at least that we're in some kind of a category. It's literally every time, and it's only with certain links, like T-Lab links, or sometimes not even, anyway, I can get off on a whole tangent there. My point is, this is now happening on Getter. Now, I don't know for sure that that's what I think it is, except here's what's happening that's different. Now, first of all, let me show you this also live on Getter. Now, the reason I think this is important is because Getter is supposed to be the free speech place, but it's not, in my opinion. None of these partisan places truly are. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. I think some of these partisan left or right platforms do in some do allow free speech, like even stuff that people would say is totally outrageous and not allowable. But I don't think that they're fighting for you when it comes down to it, because I think it's more about partisanship. This is my opinion, though. But Getter coming directly from the top, you know, from a, a partisan side of this. Here's what's happening now. Same point. Let me post it. Same thing. Whoops, you already said that. Or right, here, let me just do this. I forgot. Let me just change something. There, so it's new. Now watch. Post. Oops, there was an error. Post again. Oops, you already said that. Okay, not to belabor the point. Here is the point. On Gitter, unlike even Twitter, guess what's not there? The posts anymore. Look at that. Now that's really obvious to me, guys. Now, could it be a glitch? Sure. I'll try to reach out to Gitter. I'll say, what's going on? Maybe it was a glitch. Maybe I'm isolated, manipulated. But this happens on every platform I've ever been on in my life, guys. I mean, even newer platforms that I'm not going to get into. The point is that this is interesting to see how frustrating that this is happening, even on these free speech platforms. Now, what's even more interesting, and I can't prove this to you, is simply that I did post an article from earlier that I'll get into today, and I'm, I saw it. I did it through the same process, and I said, that's weird. Is it there? And looked, and I thought I pinned it, and it's gone. So I don't know whether that's been deleted on my account. I mean, I feel, I'm pretty certain I feel like this is censorship. But you guys come to your own opinions about it. I think I'm a little biased, obviously, because it's happening everywhere. <laughs> now, so I don't want to take any more time on this. I just wanted us to see that this is happening, even on other platforms like this. Pretty crazy. Or could be. Let's, to be fair, could be. Now, we're going to start off with a great article from Robert, again, about Afghanistan that really kind of opened this door for me today. I, and, and for you all that I was talking about a, a focus on some nanotechnology stuff today, I make you promise, promise, I'm going to do that tomorrow, even though it's Sunday, I'm going to do it early, right when I get up, because the entire show is ready to go. I just, there's just too much happening these days, especially with these two topics. And I pulled off the, I pulled, I have a whole show ready to go, COVID focus and everything else. That's going to happen tomorrow. Just, I'm, I'm going to follow through with that because I keep telling you guys I'm going to get to it. But this stuff is really important, and you'll see why. So Robert's article about Afghanistan and the generals and their discussions of foreign policy really opened up the, this thought process for me, the, like the concept of Tyne Corps, what happened in Afghanistan, and then it just kind of opened this door for me today. So I hope you'll read his other articles as well. And that's why I want to focus, show you these really quickly about some things he recently put up. This is the one we'll talk about in a minute. Israeli occupation forces kill three Palestinians within hours. Why doesn't that matter around the world? Could, and this is a great article, by the way. Can the Iran nuclear deal succeed? And what about Russia? And it really does show you that there's a lot of manipulation happening. But please read them for yourselves. Israel passes another racist, racist law as the U.S. government looks the other way. And this is not an opinion. The law, this is one you guys should all read, especially those that think this is not as overt as it really is. They're openly standing there saying this is the state for Jewish people alone, period. 
Netanyahu said that in the past. Bennett's saying it now. They just basically put up, I mean, here, I'll show you this really quickly just because it's pretty incredible. It's, it really is to see. The, I have the tweet right in the, right in the article that one of the ministers is literally saying that this bill, this law they passed, which is really a renewal of the law, plenty of these human rights groups are going, guys, this is crazy. This is an apartheid law. It's what it is. Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International. And then when they win, she posts a tweet saying, a Jewish and democratic state won a state for all its citizens. Zero. <laughs> they don't even care. They are open about how they don't want this to be. They don't, the Palestinians don't exist. They don't have, they always say, of course, they have rights under the law like anybody else, but we know that's not true. That's been verified by the human rights organizations that continue to say that's not true. It just disgusts me how this just gets stated openly and we're screaming about over here while we know they're lying about certain things. This is open. Israel is not hiding this. They are an apartheid, racist-minded government. And I'm talking about the government. Now, yes, that does bleed over and has greatly influenced a lot of Jewish and other people that live in Israel. Sort of how we're going to talk about in regard to Ukraine, the same thing. There is a lot of very bad, dangerous people that have been allowed to flourish inside the Ukrainian society because they did this. That does not in any way mean that everybody in Ukraine believes a certain way. That's the same kind of thing they try to do in all of these conversations. This is not... It's not racist to point out other people being racist. I mean, it's the stupidest thing you could possibly say. But anyway, read the article because Robert is doing a great job keeping up on all this stuff. If I can even keep up with his outstanding work because he's, he is knocking them out of the park. But the other point about the Iran nuclear deal, I wanted to make one last point before we start with Afghanistan. Did you even know this happened? I was absolutely dumbfounded. I didn't even see this. And that's because we're at Tur Tehran Times, one of the few places pointing this out. This is from March 11th, a, the seizure of Iran's cargo ships amid the talks of the JCPOA may jeopardize the agreement, you know, you don't say. Yeah, the, the seizure of their oil transportation may just put a stick in the spokes of their oil deal that's ridiculous. Do you realize what happened when this was going on last time, the limpet mines and all this conversation, when it just blew out of control? And that was the threat. That was like getting too close, finding mines on the side. This is them seizing ships. Nobody talks about it. This is what the unaccountability authoritarian government of the world looks like. They don't have to check with anybody. There's no international law as far as they're concerned. They can sanction who they want, even though that's literally illegal from an independent state. That's a, supposed to be an international idea. This is crazy to me. Like, if this was in reverse, this would be an act of war. But no, because they get to set the tone. And ask yourself, really, regardless of what the U.S. thinks, wants, does, why the world, the U.S. government has the right to dictate what Iran can do with its oil on the other side of the world because they believe they're the world government. They believe they have that authority. That's not right, not the reality. They can do it with military strength and plenty of other people around the world and this globalist push seem to be okay with it for the moment. But just flip it around and you realize how ridiculous this is. Now, to Afghanistan, the same point, right? This has been one of the most clumsy, broken, obviously corrupt, what? I mean, war, war doesn't even feel right. This is an occupation, but this is theft, right? This is just, I can't even, I'm trying to think of a word that undermines the idea of this, some kind of official capacity. These are mafiosos that are going in there and robbing, stealing, raping, and pillaging. That's what's happening. Now, it's not to suggest there weren't people involved that thought they were doing the right thing, like military personnel or even people in the Congress. But at the end of the day, we know what this is. It's obvious. And the same thing with Vietnam. They knew this was a failure. And well, and really, a failure is what you should be saying if you re think they didn't mean for it to go this way, or rather that they didn't know where the point, in my opinion, 
this was not a failure. This is exactly what they ultimately wanted, was an endless occupation and justifying for it. And stealing of opium, stealing of everything else. I mean, we'll get into some other really horrible things that happened here. And, and what, this was liberation? I mean, the, the, the literal group that they pointed at to justify the invasion is now in control. How do we even act like this was not the exact plan? I mean, or, or if you really think this was that clumsy, then why are we still letting them do this anywhere else in the world? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So this is an article from 2021, at the, at the, you know, towards the end of 2021. Taliban gloats as the last U.S. flight leaves Afghanistan, which is just not true, first of all. Well, I shouldn't say the flight. I don't, I can't, I don't actually know if the last flight was this one, but the U.S. presence was not gone and it still is not gone. And that's because the reality of U.S. contractors today, that is the new field of war. And I'll get into that with another article. Like I keep talking about guys, the old, the, the old, the classic idea of Russian forces fighting American forces, that idea of warfare is archaic. doesn't mean it can't happen. But the, even amongst themselves, kind of under the surface, they agree without saying it to proxy war using other people as opposed to their own people, which is, and that, that, that's gross for both sides. Regardless though, there is more happening on all this that we can get into, but realize that that's what, they're still there. And the point that any of these wars, Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, they're still occupying these countries, guys. And regardless of how they frame it, like we're gone, we left. Remember how many times we left Syria? That never happened. In fact, we have more people in these locations than we ever did in most places because there are tens of thousands of contractors they just don't pretend they don't they lie to you about what that really is like they're not in control and they're not dictating their actions especially the point is that they don't have accountability for what ultimately takes place when they should of course they should if you pay somebody to do a job aren't you responsible for that anywhere else in the world you are not the u.s military though literally you are they're not accountable it's, it's incredible but this is talking about the fact that the last plane leaving and, it, you know, Taliban's gloating. It's all over, right? But right after that happens, right? I mean, we're, this, this has been ongoing for now. This is right up till today because I'm going to relate it to Robert's article. Islamic State growing in Afghanistan, but not ready to attack yet. Yeah, that's coming back, right? So you're telling me that they couldn't build this response over the last three years when nobody was talking about them and nobody was paying attention. They were just left to their own devices and everything was going their way. Nope, they were just waiting, timing, just happily sitting by. But the moment this all kicks off, they're like, oh, we should get up and start training again, huh? I mean, obviously I'm being facetious. I mean, there's been other things happening behind the scenes, but think about how stupid that is. They're just not ready to attack yet. Huh, okay, we're just going to wait. Wait until we're called on, maybe. Ridiculous. The point is we have to remember, just like everything else that's happening today, that it doesn't mean, just like everything else happening today, that there is U.S. fingerprints all over where this came from. The creation of the group to fight the Soviet Union, the then the proliferation of that group, which became al-Qaeda, which then becomes ISIS, and in every single step of the way you can prove that they had their arms involved. Weapons. Arming, funding, moving, it's verifiable. I always reference Ben Swan's documentary about this before he was scrubbed everywhere. You can still find it. It's very clear, guys. It's just like with Ukraine. It's undeniable. They just don't like to look at it. So just think, so in the point, the same thing. It doesn't mean that these, ba these aren't bad people. It just means that they're being driven and manipulated. That means that they're even worse people are using them. Think about it like that. Now, next part is Robert's article. Now, this is a really great article. I want to read you through some of the parts he's making here. Or uh, the point, excuse me. 
U.S. generals advocate re-entering wars. Now think about how crazy that is in the midst of what's happening right now. We're, I mean, they barely even, they haven't even officially like, they, they, like, that's my point about the plane. The plane left, so it's over. Well, not really. There's all sorts of operations going on on the ground. We'll get into the CIA being admitted to being in the Ukraine from 2015. Not even just for the training missions like we talked about before, but Yahoo News came out with another article. They've been their training operations to fight. We've proven this to you. And now even Western main, Western corporate press is now being forced to admit what we were saying and called fake news for seconds ago. I love being ahead of their garbage narratives. It makes me happy. But now they're going, we're going to get back into those things that we said were over. Why? Well, because terrorism. Right. Okay. So the endless war on terror. So they are forever wars. That's exactly the point. It's just like COVID-19. They can just turn anytime they want. Oh, well, coming back up, which by the way, we'll get into tomorrow. That is happening. Fauci goes, you can't just stop. You can't just no longer do what we say. You can't just end the pandemic. Well, yeah, you really can. You don't have the right to do it. You never did. You guys are forcing this based on what you believe is, well, that's, I'm not even going to finish that. You're forcing this based on your policy and your agendas. But back to this same point, we're just going to go back to these wars, advocate re-entering them. Now it says in February, the Biden administration decided that it would release the $7 billion in central bank assets that were being held onto because, well, we don't, you know, we removed them and now there's other people in power. We don't want to give it to them because we prayed they were bad guys before. Like just, this is how clumsy it is. They claimed it to keep out of the hands of the Taliban. Oh, you mean the same group that you were in peace talks with the same group that even biden had sit downs with yeah but we want to make sure we keep the hands out of those evil terrorists that we're working alongside just think about that contradiction in right now context with azov battalion and everything else guys they have an obvious endless verifiable history of arming the very people that become the worst people that we point at to justify our first future actions i don't understand why people especially the whatever crowd when you call them progressives or whatever people out there that are sort of like that are right now, that we're like sort of on the side with COVID, but now they're attacking people like us because we don't stand with Ukraine. It's like you were just moments ago calling out the war propaganda, and now you've been wrapped right back into it. I don't get why people fall for this stuff. The plan that was signed into action set forth that the funds were to be distributed between aid money for suffering Afghans and American victims of terrorism, including family members of 9-11 victims. That's not a joke, by the way. How disgusting is that? So you're going to steal money from the Afghan people, because that's what this is. It's Afghanistan money. Whether you're going to keep it from the Taliban or whatever, you're taking it from the Afghan civilians that you claimed all of this destructive, catastrophic occupation were to liberate. And what did it do? Not for not a moment did this help them in any way possible. They built broken buildings. They, di they didn't complete projects. They let people get raped and pillaged and murdered. And they destroyed the country right to this point to where now the very people they were fighting are now in control. Freedom, liberation, just like Libya, right? Either they're clumsy and bad at this or they're meaning to do it. You choose. Over and 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 over. But maybe, maybe it's just a coincidence, right? So they're taking the money they stole from those Afghan people that they destroyed, occupied, and destabilized. And now they're going to use that money to give it to people who they hurt in 9-11. And blamed on Afghanistan, by the way. Think about how gross that is. These are the same people that knew and are involved in exactly what, if you're still balking about the idea of what 9-11 really was, it's time to wake up. It's the same situation as everything else. There is an endless amount of information showing you verifiably that at the very least, they lied the entire story. But going forward, it says, what exactly makes the old or the, the aid organizations filled with Westerners entitled to this money? I mean, ask yourself that. 
Why is it that they feel they have the right to just hold on to it, even if you think their intentions are good? Are they, I mean, because they believe they are in control. They believe they are the ones calling the shots. That's why they disregard what the UN says when it goes against what they want. They just do whatever they want. Israel can bomb this place and that place whenever they want. The U.S. can take all sorts of actions that anybody else can't do. And then when they do it, they go, oh, look, at they just did that thing that's unprecedented. That does not make the other side good. It just simply shows you you are being deceived by a bad entity. On top of this, 98% of Afghans are short of food. That's right now, by the way. Add that to the list of places that are being starved to death by the freedom liberators. Afghans are short of food right now, and this move, according to experts like Dr. Shah Mohammed uh, Murabi, will only make things worse for them by aiding the downfall of what? The country's already crippled economy. And what does that seem to line up with? Well, other things we're talking about, like the Great Reset. Quote, he says, you're talking about moving toward a total collapse of the banking system. Oh, that's a little bit weird and, con and connected, isn't it? Just kind of quietly destabilizing the banking system in Afghanistan so we can reimagine a different way while this all goes on. He said that the Wa Washington's actions are short-sighted. Well, I argue they're actually long-sighted. I argue that they see what they're doing, and they're doing it for a reason that we're, he might be missing. He believes they're doing this for money, oil, whatever. That's what kind of I feel like if you read more into what he's talking about, and that they're just short-sighted on the long-term consequences. Well, that's never the case for me. I shouldn't. Well, sometimes these people are clumsy and make choices that are short-sighted for their immediate benefit, but in this case, we have to watch the continuity of this narrative. They've known this has been happening. So I, I find it hard to believe that this is a short-sighted choice. But he says, it isn't even clear when the funds will be released at all. That's, I mean, that's not just like not the Taliban. It's not even clear if they're ever going to let it go. The same thing that happened with everywhere else they go. This is mafioso tactics under a guise of doing right by who? Well, it's not even clear in this case. <laughs> Who's it going to exactly? Not the Taliban, not Afghanistan, right? Not the aid group. Well, what are you going to do with it? We're holding it for freedom, apparently. For freedom. It's not only that the United States invaded, occupied, looted, and stole from Afghanistan, but now the armchair generals of the U.S. military think that they weren't doing this long enough and feel that ending the most expensive war, the most cat... Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's hard to compare the catastrophes that these are, but the most costly war for Americans in human history that was a bad idea. Ending it, he's saying, was a bad idea. By ending, they really just mean limiting their still ongoing covert engagement, and that's my point. It's about the continuation of the operations on the ground that aren't American troops, if you want to frame it that way. So that's the new transition of war, guys. They're, we're not involved. We're not even on the ground. Well, yeah, you're paying 50,000 people to continue to do things there, and that way you're not accountable. How, imagine how much that's happening around the world right now. They could be literally everywhere. We would never know. And remember, realize we have people pointing these things out. There are other countries going, they're doing this here, and they go, fake news. And the Western press happily obliges. Must be fake news because government said. In the case of Somalia, General Stephen Townsend, who is the head of U.S. Africa Command, says that withdrawing troops from the country poses a greater risk and asserted that sending in forces for special operations is simply more costly. Yes. You know what that accidental admission proves to you? And it shouldn't be that hard for you to understand. They're always conducting special operations. Well, they claim, no, we're not there. We're not on the ground. Well, they are, though. That's what that is. They just, they're just more costly. 
So we need a constant presence with military bases. Therefore, we don't have to send in CIA secret operations, which, by the way, is exactly what's happening in Ukraine, which will prove yet again today. You know, even the Western press is being forced to admit it. They have been conducting and have been on the ground and arming and working alongside the very white supremacist neo-Nazis that they're now admitting are there. And then again, we'll make the point to tie it back directly to the very thing they're funding in the United States. It's impossible to miss this if you're honest with yourself. Honest, I should say, at all. It's very clear. Now, we're going to actually go deeper on that FBI document today just to show you what it says in flesh. It's, it's confirming exactly what we've already told you from other locations. It's a secondary confirmation, in fact. But they're saying it, it's, it's a greater risk to not be there. The U.S. would be better off inside Somalia, he says. Biden has given the green light for bombing both this year and last year. So did Trump. So did Obama. Does anybody even know what's going on in Somalia? I mean, legitimately, does anybody out there watching the show even have a real understanding of what is actually the reason they're bombing Somalia? Oh, oh, ISIS, right? Bad guys. I mean, real, I mean, think about that. Like, if I hadn't taken the time a while back to, like, really find out what's going, I mean, it's just incredible. What's the national security interest? What's the issue? What is you as an American sitting out there? What's the concern for you about Somalia? What They said there's a problem? Did they prove it to you? Did they show you documentation that makes it clear that there's a problem? No. And even if they did, why is it U.S. government's op obligation to, to attack these people? Because they simply said ISIS, Al-Qaeda, despite working directly with these groups all around the world. Think about that. Now, there's probably much more going on there. There's probably people that are bombing there that aren't going along with their plan to control and co-opt the country, which is usually what happens. I mean, think about Houthis or Palestinians or any other group around the world, you know, Donbass, where they're not what they say they are. And it's easy to prove. And yet they're bombing them anyway. Think about that. General Frank McKenzie, head of the U.S. Central Command, stated, on the other hand, that the U.S.'s lack of airstrikes in Afghanistan, you know, the, the lack, like, the, the decrease of airstrikes that were killing civilians on a regular basis, well, that's a bad thing, he's saying, and is the reason for an alleged growing ISIS, a threat to America. Of course, as Robert points out, he provided no information to support his claims, as they always do, yet told Congress that without these airstrikes, Al-Qaeda and Daesh ISIS present a bigger threat and warn that both Russia and China may try to capitalize on America's absence. Now, that is the only point that matters. The whole ISIS concept, guys, especially when you realize how much they're working alongside this entity, they don't, they don't care about what's actually happening with these groups. They, they care insofar as they can use it to accomplish their goals. If you can't see that by now, you're just not looking. It's obvious based on their continuity of their agenda. And what is growing larger by the day? The very thing they said they've been fighting for 20 years. There are many endless articles showing you that they're bigger now, larger now, more people now than ever were. It's an illusion, an illusion. The point is, though, the illegal occupation of the U.S., illegal, needs to continue because if we don't, well, Russia and China are going to make deals with Afghanistan and then they'll benefit from it. Oh, okay, so I see. So you have to take illegal action to stop them from taking legal action. And who's the bad guy in this situation? Now, if you think I'm making this up, just look at, look at Africa. It's the same situation. Now, as I've made many, clear many times, now, first of all, that's not to say that Russia or China wouldn't, if they decided to, uh, occupy this country. I believe that's possible. I believe they would if they felt it was necessary and beneficial. But look at the history. Please highlight the countries around the world that Russia, since the end of World War II, has marched around and occupied. Crimea voted to join them. Donbass has declared independence. They're not even part of Russia right now. The bottom line is, it's, and even if you make good examples, there is 
far more on the side of the U.S. government openly destroying, occupying, and claim to be liberating countries that they actually hurt terribly. My point is, Af or Af or Africa is the same idea where they go, well, we can't just let China go and make deals in Africa. We have to do something about that. Well, why exactly? Because they say China bad guy. Okay, well, I'm not necessarily disagree. But the point is they have a legal right to make deals with people that want to make deals with them. As I've argued before, China or Russia, I promise you, strong arm, get what they want out of it, maybe more so than they should. So too does the U.S. if they actually decide to make deals instead of just rob from people. But the point is, if they're making deals with people in, in China or in, in South Africa, let's say, or in Africa in general, for rare earth minerals, and the other side agrees, signs a contract, and the U.S. goes, well, we can't allow that. And so they go in and occupy the country. Who's the bad guy in that situation? They're claiming that by not illegally occupying this country, that China and Russia may benefit. Therefore, we have to continue to break the law. With, without even, with, with the fact that they would and possibly break the law being completely up in the air. Just like everything else. Well, they could do this. So it's sort of like the Bethlehem doctrine of their occupation foreign policy. Well, we don't know. They could go in there and do something that's not wrong. So we have to do wrong things to stop that. What is truly revealing about all of the above information is that the modus operandi in Washington is so imperialistic and violent that such discourse is completely acceptable. They're totally allowed to be like, we're just going to continue to illegal. We're going to, we need to go back in and illegally occupy that country. Nobody argues that's not an illegal occupation other than the U.S. government. It is. That's what, I mean, by definition. So they're saying we need to go back and break the law. And that's okay. We need to continue to airstrike this country because China, Russia could benefit. The, the threat of ISIS, guys, again, I can't miss how, how absurd it is to argue that it's now a threat over the last three years it hasn't even been mentioned. Think about that. What is truly revealing is advocating violent and uh, the, violating the sovereignty of foreign countries and talk of invasion of their territory in addition to airstrikes is rational, according to them. Why can the Taliban government not get its hands on the country's assets? They have nowhere near the amount of blood on their hands as the U.S. government. It's a fact. And it's clear that Washington has no problem with violent extremism, as long as it's useful, as it places no restrictions on its best friends in Riyadh, one of the most openly extreme and authoritarian governments in the world. Nobody can disagree with that. They just pretend it's not happening. They don't like to point at it, right? Well, as Trump said, we need to sell weapons. So, you know, who cares about all the things we care, pretend we care about, right? The, literally the things we murder people over, but we're, we don't care right now because weapons, they're hypocrites. That's the point. They're bad people. Anybody that would do that in any government are bad. The simplest sight, meaning of the word. They are hurting people, guys. And I believe all governments are doing this for the most part. There's a point I was going to make there. Blood in their hands. Oh, well, that wasn't important. But just simply that, you know, asking why the Taliban doesn't have the assets because the U.S. government has done much more, again, Shouldn't have to always say it. I know some people might assume does not then mean that I support the Taliban or the Taliban is a good guy and get the money. The simple point is a balance. Why do they have control over it if they've conducted far worse atrocities? These flagrant double standards not only reveal U.S. imperialism and systemic bigotry, but are resulting in the suffering of millions of people around the world, both at home and abroad. Right, right now you're supposed to suffer because we're we're helping Ukraine, right? Do, take it on the chin for, for, your, for freedom. That's ridiculous because that's not actually what's happening. 
Yet somehow the West believes it has the right to lecture other people about civility and imperialism. Unreal. Excellent article. Now on the note of Afghanistan, let's understand why it's happening. Understand what's actually going on and has been going on in Afghanistan and why people are suffering. It's not because of what they might tell you. This is from the uh, March 19th today. Afghanistan, world's unhappiest country, even before Taliban, which is really funny because the way they're all kind of framing this across the, 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 the Western press is almost acting like the Taliban is now a thing, right? Now, I can be clear. I could, I mean, be, to be clear, the Taliban was not as powerful as they are now when they first did this. They didn't control all of Afghanistan. But the Taliban was still very, very powerful back then and still had a lot of control. So the way they're framing it now is almost like, you know, yeah, the Taliban taking control is why it's bad, but it was even bad before that. Okay, well, the Taliban was there then too. So it's a stupid argument. You see what I mean? Like, it's just they're trying to frame it as if the U.S. has to go back. That's what this is. And it says, excuse me, Afghanistan is the unhappiest country in the world, even before the Taliban. Swept to power last August. You know, omitting that they were in power to a large degree before that, too. Before the U.S. invaded and made them more powerful. Isn't that weird how it works? Sort of like when they waged the war on terror and it got bigger. You know, it's like, oops. <laughs> oops are the exact opposite of our justification. <clears throat> That's according to a so-called World Happiness Report released ahead of the U.N.-designated International Day of Happiness on Sunday. So, the U.N. is deciding this. Don't, of course, you're not gonna. You're gonna find very clearly that ones all the, the people at the top are gonna be the Western countries, even though some of the people like you know Australia, New Zealand, Brit, UK, even the United States are wildly unhappy right now. Because, but they're not gonna show you that. They're gonna just. What do the governments say? Well, they're happy. Okay, they're happy. The annual report ranked Afghanistan at last among 149 countries, with a happiness rate of just 2.5. Lebanon was the world's second saddest country. Now, don't miss the you know obvious connection between Lebanon and Afghanistan. What are both suffering from? A constant undermined destabilization attacks and potential occupation. And, you know, I'll just say violation of their borders and sovereignty by Israel, the United States. Same thing. Finland ranked first for the fourth year running with 7.8 score, followed by Denmark, Switzerland with Iceland, Netherlands, also in the top five. Shocking how these places that largely had some of the least restrictions in the world around COVID are all the happiest places on the planet. Weird. <laughs> Researchers ranked the countries after analyzing data over three years. They looked at several categories, including gross domestic product per capita, social safety nets, life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, generosity of the population, and perceptions of internal and external corruption levels. How interesting. You know what affects every single one of those things? War and illegal occupation. Yeah, but that's not what's happening, of course. It's because of their Taliban and and their gross society, right? That's how, that's how they want you to think about this. Literally just kind of pretending like their 20-year occupation had no... I hear, you're going to love the next part. Not even arguing it didn't have a bad negative effect. In fact, arguing that despite the benefits of their occupation, this is still the case. Afghanistan stacked up poorly in all six categories. A confounding result, <laughs> literally a confounding result, coming as it did before the Taliban arrival, and despite 20 years of U.S. and international investment. Right investment, because that's what was happening. We were investing in your country, and now it's worse than it was before. Totally makes sense. 
building bridges that fall apart, building, you know, conducting open operations that end up leaving half-built op- buildings because they weren't really ever going to be completed in the first place, or, you know, robbing the money and giving it to warlords, and, you know, that's investment, quote-unquote. The U.S. alone spent $145 billion from your pocket on, quote, development in Afghanistan since 2002, according to reports by the U.S. Special General, uh, Inspector General for Afghanistan. Still, despite all of that peacemaking, there were signs of increasing hopelessness. I mean, really, guys, I can't even make fun of this enough. That's how you frame that. I mean, look, even somebody honest would argue that despite maybe good intention funding, which I don't believe that was, that their occupation caused chaos. The people were fighting. Taliban were fighting back. There were other extremists on the ground that were fighting. I mean, for crying out loud, you're going to pretend like they didn't have any negative effects? Good God, the media today is disgusting. I mean, we everybody sees it now. Western press is the joke of the world right now. It is pathetic. Now, to talk about investment, how do you frame this as investment? This was back in 2017. The U.S. is to extract minerals from Afghanistan to defray the cost of U.S. assistance. Right, so the, the, the U.S. assistance was destroying the country, giving power to the very people you claimed you were fighting. But now because you destroyed everything, you want to take more that's what's happening. And what it was it? Of course. What did you think? Valuable rare earth minerals, minerals from the mountains like lithium, like cobalt, like all the things that are stealing everywhere else. Lithium, various gemstones, electric production, the things were talked about in Congo or Venezuela or Bolivia, you know, all the places where they manipulate and openly bomb. Somalia. But who cares about all those things, though, right? It has nothing to do with that, you crazy conspiracy theorists. Or in this case, opium was an obvious don't forget that the exact correlation with the opi- the invasion and the opioid crisis. Because don't forget, it's on the record. Here, I'll grab this too so you guys can read this. This was actually uh, in a large – I referenced and cited Abby Martin's conversation about this. Hold on. In this article in regard to this operation called Enduring Freedom. The point is, as I, as I coined it in my article, Operation During Freedom, which was the name for the invasion of, of Afghanistan, the United States opium trade. Many pictures showing military guarding poppy fields. But the point is, when, before you can read it yourself, when, when the U.S. invaded, the Taliban had almost entirely destroyed the opium, the opium trade because they thought it was a, a, a religious, they thought it was a sin, essentially, and they, and they didn't want it. And then what happened? The U.S. invaded, and then on a dime, it went and it increased 90%. Yeah, right. I, I was making sure that it was correct. Afghanistan now produces 90% of the world's opium. Oh, and it's right here. Adrian enough consume. Oh, that's the point. Right now, they produce, or then, and this, this is probably more now, 90% of the world's opium. And just interestingly, cor, interesting correlation is the U.S. consumes 90% of the world's supply. <laughs> what a coincidence, right? Read it for yourself. It's absolutely staggering. But they also stole lithium from the mountains. And they, 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 so they raped, robbed, pillaged, and extracted. Now here is the Daily Beast from 2021, making sure you understand that Eric Prince and Blackwater had never left. They were always there. That was my point. Even to the point where they were charging exa- exorbitant amounts of money to fly out people from Kubal. Right, charging incredible, like $6,500, while apparently right now there are still people stuck in Afghanistan. But, you know, but but nobody calls them out for profiteering on people's lives. 
Why? Because they're working with the U.S. government. Blackwater founder Eric Prince charging $6,500 for a seat, one seat, on a flight out of Kabul when people, at least how they were framing it, were running for their lives. I don't necessarily believe that's exactly what's happening, but nonetheless, the point is, that's disgusting. Now, these people have always been operating in Afghanistan. That's very important to understand. It's not just Blackwater or Academy, but also DynCorp and plenty of other contractors. Here's National Herald. Who benefited from the forever war? The Afghanistan war effort was effectively a privatized endeavor. And, it all, and this is the same thing that's happening today. With the U.S. military relying heavily, almost entirely, on private contractors to power the logistics of America's forever war. Now, before we get into Ukraine, the reason that's important is for you to understand what happened in Afghanistan. Now, whether the U.S. government just knew and didn't care or was part of it is what you should be asking. That's why I started with that clip from Cynthia McKinney. We've actually interviewed her before a long time ago. I believe it was audio for the most part because her video wasn't working. You know, classic censorship probably. Nonetheless, it's on the Last American Vagabond. You search Cynthia McKinney, you'll find it. We talk about certain things like this. But she called a lot of this stuff out. Oh, that, that's right. This was just making sure we understand it was privatized war. It, and it, that's not something you need to, it's easily verifiable. This is from 2021. Defense contractors spent big in Afghanistan before the U.S. left. And the Taliban took control. Now, what we should be asking ourselves is whether this was not an accident, whether now that they're calling for them to go back, that there was more coordination here than we realize. Sort of like we uh, talking with somebody close to me today about leaving all the weapons, all of the, I mean, it's incredible if you actually break down how much they left behind, billions of dollars worth of your tax dollars that are being used right now by the Taliban. So was that an accident? I don't think so. As it says, in the months leading up to the U.S. ending, ending, quote-unquote, a 20-year war in Afghanistan and the Taliban gaining control of the country, handed control, major defense companies were awarded contracts in Afghanistan worth hundreds of millions of dollars and spent tens of millions lobbying, lobbying, lobbying the federal government on defense issues. Now ask yourself how crazy that, or I mean, ask how that even makes sense when they're leaving billions on the ground and then just paying more of them as they leave. Does that make sense to you? Why would you spend money on defense contracts on a place that you're leaving? That's the obvious illusion, guys, because they weren't leaving and they never planned for this to be over. Hundreds of millions of dollars. The Department of Defense issued nearly $1 billion in contracts. As they were leaving, supposedly, you know, that's the story, and as they were pulling out a little bit, in contracts to 17 different companies related to work in Afghanistan. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was set to continue past the May 1st withdrawal date. How do you make sense of that? Other than the fact that they were still carrying on the war. It's unclear what will happen with some of those contracts as the U.S. evacuates operations in Afghanistan. No, it's not unclear. It's simply just no longer going to be talked about. Now, it goes on to address many of the different co companies, which you should understand. For Lid uh, Lidos, <clears throat> Salient Federal Services, the one that I want to focus on today. Maryland-based defense support services conglomerate. Imentum Services was awarded more than $305 million in defense contracts, mentioning Afghanistan, since 2008. Now, the Department of Defense awarded DynCor International, which was subsumed by Imentum in 2020, more than $4 billion in defense contracts after, like, so $4 billion flies to this company as they're leaving. Not, not all in one, but the point is this, and well, my point before I get over the top there is that Imentum, $305 million. Dynecore International, $4 billion. But guess what? They're the same thing, which is sort of what it says right there. <clears throat> so this is also sort of a shell game. 
September 25th, momentum to acquire DynCore International, <laughs> right? So this, they're, so why, why they're dumping money at the same entity and they're trying to make it look like not the same entity. It's all your money, guys. Now, the owner of DynCore, or rather the, the patent general is Cerberus Capital Management. Now, I believe Whitney Webb has discussed Cerberus before. And I believe there's more to this. I was trying to connect with her earlier to get her insight on this. I'm, I'll follow up on this again. I couldn't remember what the tie, I remember Cerberus being discussed in the past. In the chat, if you want to chime in, let me know your thoughts on Cerberus specifically. But I know there's a connection to this. Now, the point is, oh, before I go past that, the, the my, uh, Stephen Feinberg, who is the uh, the head of, Cer of Cerberus, or owns the patent, rather, <clears throat> it was the billionaire reportedly slated to review U.S. intelligence agencies in the Trump administration. Now, that didn't happen, but I find it to be a really interesting crossover, not just to the Trump administration, but the idea that we are literally talking about using a person who is in control of DynCorp or co contractors, the, per the very person put into a position to review intelligence agencies. I mean, think about how crazy that is. Now, let's, stop, let's make sure you understand that the next person who came in probably has the same kind of things that we can't see. Why would that be acceptable to anybody? Because this is the kind of war they're waging now. It's, it's covert, guys. All of this is. There's a lot happening behind the scenes that we never understand. Like even just taking, for instance, on a different topic, which we should get into at some point, which we have talked about. I've even mentioned recently in the beginning of Ukraine's discussion, the Biden crossover to all of this. It's, it's undeniable. It's one partisan side of this doesn't want to point at it. So it's fake news. There's more going on behind all of this than we realize. Now, this goes back to 2017. This is also the Daily Beast. The real winner of the Afghan war is this shady military contractor. Can you guess which one that is? It could be either, right? But the point is that this is a group that we're going to show you is, was considered shady then, but is right now taking the lion's share of what's going on inside of Ukraine. Now, we'll get there. The State Department paid out $4 billion to rebuild Afghanistan. Some $2.5 by itself went to a single firm with a bad, bad past. Ask how that makes sense. Yes, it was DynCorp. Even the Daily Beast is going, yeah, this is a shy, shady, spotted past, openly accused and basically caught for human trafficking. And yet they're continually used right up until this very day. For over a decade, the State Department gave almost 70%, 69% of its funding, the entire funding coming from your pocket for Afghanistan to one company. And that's a company with a particularly checkered past. Now it says DynCorp, one of the largest corporations working in the government's array, army, excuse me, of private contractors, has long been known for corruption scandals. You realize this is public information. Ask yourself how it's possible that the government can continue to fund them. One, because they, know, they don't think most people are aware of it of this or that they're funding them. And two, they just don't care. And a questionable performance record. So not only are they have a scandalous corruption, corrupt past, but their their record for actually meeting their demands is questionable. But none of that seemed to have discouraged the U.S. government from awarding the company new contracts. Why? Because that's not what's, there's more going on. There's more shady stuff around the sides. This is why they like to work with people that are morally ambiguous, because they can use them. Because they can, they can conduct things that, they, if they have a company on the ground that's willing to take action that would be, be distasteful to others, even though they have a worse record or even though they're not as efficient, they would use them. 
Because the other company is going to balk at doing something that's illegal, right? You're working with people that conduct illegal operations. It's very, very clear. The State Department paid nearly $4 billion for projects in aid to Afghanistan's reconstruction. <laughs> How's that going, by the way? Oh, yeah, it's the opposite. They went the other direction, despite $4 billion. Good job. $2.5 billion went to DynCorp alone. 70% almost of all the money by the State Department over almost the entire duration of the war went to DynCorp. According to SIGAR, which is the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan, in their report from SIGAR, 89% of State Department funding, $3.5 billion, went to supporting large so-called rule of law projects like training and equipping the Afghan police force. The police force. Now, for those of you who know where this is going, you already see the connection, I'm sure. The police force even to this day, is the highlight of some really disgusting topics that are being allowed. So now that we're seeing the connection, we have DynCorp, who is seemingly taking almost all of the funding, 89% of the State Department funding, or excuse me, that's in regard to the Afghan police force specifically, but 70% almost of the entire funding to DynCorp, who has been repeatedly accused of human trafficking and sex trafficking, okay? Now we look at the project that they focused on. In Afghanistan. So DynCorp's focal point was this kind of project. Training and equipping Afghan police force. Okay, so what did the Afghan police force get caught doing? U.S. soldiers told to ignore sexual abuse of boys by Afghan allies. And we'll get into it as the police force. So wouldn't we stand back and go, okay, wait a minute. If, if DynCorp has been accused multiple times in multiple locations of human trafficking, sex trafficking... And now they're in predominant control over the engagements in Afghanistan, and we're watching sexual manipulation and trafficking happen. Why would we go, well, maybe they're doing that? Nope. Fake news, because we're not allowed to ask questions that aren't being allowed first by the mainstream Western press. 2015, Afghanistan, New York Times. In this last phone call home, Lance Corporal Gregory Buckley Jr. told his father what was troubling him. From his bunk in southern Afghanistan, he could hear... Afghan police officers sexually abusing boys they had brought to the base. Now, they could have just grabbed them off the street. Yeah. Either way, that's horrific and disgusting and should not be allowed. But what if there was being supplied? Which there's plenty of discussions here and allegations. And, and we have to kind of realize that there's an obvious trail to where this happens. And if it's continually happening, that you're not just grabbing people off the corner. Could be. But there's more happening here. Quote, at night, we can hear them screaming. But we're not allowed to do anything about it. Why? Because their superiors, their officers are telling them, don't do anything about it. Afghan allies have abused boys on military bases, according to interviews and actual court records. Court records. So this is an, a verifiable record introduced into a court of law that proves that they knew it was happening and they allowed it to happen on military bases. Sort of sounds like the, uh, oh, shoot, um... Shit, I'm blanking on the name all of a sudden. The Presidio military base is a good example. All these historical examples with the Reagan administration of having this obviously called out on military bases, allowing this kind of thing decades back in the U.S. government. Let me do this real quick. There was, I'll grab the link I was just thinking of. I believe it was... Six cases, I think. Let me see if this comes up for you. No. Let me do just cases. 
I'll find it included if I have it. I can't believe I'm forgetting this. I've, I've covered this so many times. Maybe it was a case study. One last check. Well, it's a it's an over it's an, I'm trying to remember the name of this one. Somebody in the chat maybe can help me out. There's a famous one that was accused, and the White House was tangled up in it. And it's it's a big story. There's a lot of these famous these famous uh, stories around this kind of stuff of human trafficking, pedophilia, and we're going to get to that in a minute. One last check here. I think it's one of the most popular articles over the years, which I might have down here. No, well, guess not. Oh, well, I'll skip past it. Uh, oh, wait, no, I, I got it. Let's see if that works. At the very least, I think that's going to give me the link, something that have the link in it. Oh, here we go. Beautiful. Not beautiful. It's a terrible, disgusting article. Uh, I'll also give you this one, actually, since I since it's right there. So here, here's my point. Uh, was it, what was the first one? That's what the article there on the on the for those not the podcast is showing a, a old news article. It says homosexual prostitution inquiry ensnares VIPs with Reagan Bush, uh, and it's talking about six case studies that point to massive pedophilia rings at the highest levels of power. It was going to be right here. I just have to get it out of my, so I won't forget. <laughs> the Lincoln, the Lincoln, uh, Nebraska scandal is an important one. Presidio military base is the one that I referenced. McMartin preschool abuse was a horrific one. Well, I see that's crazy. I guess I'm just blanking on the name. I apologize, guys. I wasted time right there. In any case, read through this for yourself and recognize that there's a lot of evidence that is impossible to ignore. And here's just an article, a study that I, or a, a focus I did on a podcast, pedophilia at the highest levels of power, sidestepping distraction, focusing on the true problem. Now, back to the point. This was allowed in military bases inside of Afghanistan, Dying Corps being the focal point. Dying Corps being accused of human trafficking and being controlled, I mean, controlling these areas on the ground, and yet this is being allowed to happen all the way till now, being reported on. Here's 2014, the American government is funding human trafficking. The ugly business of how military contractors find their work. Now, this is actually a, a less, this is more so about the way that they're using labor, not so much sexual trafficking, but it's still the same interesting point. Now, this is the same special inspector pointing out, and they're, and they're currently, oh, they're saying this, currently investigating DynCorp. This is 2014. After discovering that thousands of their employees paid such fees to secure jobs in Afghanistan. The fact is 80% of human trafficking is for labor. Only 20% is sex trafficking. It's not surprising that labor trafficking is seen as a lesser evil than sex trafficking. So not only is we're talking about sex trafficking and manipulation, we're talking about trafficking in all forms. And it's this open. Here's even the Huffington Post. The deja vu for DynCorp all over again. This goes back to 2011. In Bosnia in 1999, there's even a movie made about this, Catherine Bolkovac, a U.S. policewoman, served as a U.N. peacekeeper. Now, you know all, I mean, you could just go, there's probably links right below these articles to the U.N. peacekeeper discussion. There's so, I, I, I don't want to waste more time. I've covered many articles and, and different stuff on The Last American Vagabond about the UN Peacekeeper, about the Red Cross, and, and allegations of sexual abuse. It's rampant. Her post, this policewoman, was the with the International Police Task Force, which was arranged by DynCorp Aerospace. She was assigned to run an IPTF office that investigates sex trafficking. 
domestic abuse, and sexual assault. She ultimately alleges that the peacekeepers, UN workers, and international police are visiting brothels and facilitating sex trafficking by forging documents and aiding the illegal transport of women into Bosnia. This is the person that they put in control of investigating this, and she found that they were guilty. DynCorp responds by firing her, who returns to the United States and files a wrongful termination case. She wins the suit, but says she's still blacklisted. Wins the suit. So they did fire her wrongly. And that's where it ends? Doesn't that, doesn't that in, indirectly point to the fact that they, I mean, come on, guys, this is being controlled. That was 1999. As, as Huffington Post puts it, put bluntly, DynCorp was involved in a sex slavery scandal in Bosnia in 1999, with its employees accused of rape and the buying and selling of girls as young as 12 years old. DynCorp, hired to perform police duties for the UN and aircraft maintenance for the US Army, were implicated in prostituting the children. Whereas the company's Bosnia site supervisor literally filmed himself raping two women. This is the reality, guys. This is public Western press. A number of employees were transferred out of the country, but with no legal consequences. Good God. Now, don't forget, we just talked about the fact that up until right now, we're still talking about how uh, they're allowing Afghan police to rape children on military bases with DynCorp overseeing it all. And that's, this isn't a connection for somebody? No legal consequences, even though it's clear that they were guilty. This was one of two cases involving DynCorp, more than two, by the way, and sexual scandal in Bosnia. The other involved airplane mechanic Ben Johnston, who sued DynCorp, alleging he was in fact fired because he had uncovered evidence that DynCorp employees were involved in sex slavery, which is usually what happened. So they framed him, or that's what he's saying anyway. Now, whether that's what happened, the Franklin cover-up, thank you, Franklin scandal, someone in the chat, that's what I was trying to remember. The point, though, is that's happened a lot. Gary Webb, for example, someone who exposes what they're doing and then they then ends up shooting himself twice in the head, right? Because that's how that usually happens, right? That's not even a joke, by the way. The argue, this, the, they literally argue he killed himself by shooting himself twice. Like, why do they even include that? It's like they want you to see that it's fake. My point, though, is that this is possibly the person that called them out. Or he could be involved, and that's why he said it after the fact. Either way, it all points to the valid concern of what DynCorp is allowing. The negative impact of just those two cases cannot be overstated. Indeed, search online. You should do it right now for DynCorp and sex scandal. And as this writer says, and they found themselves, you get nearly 9,000 hits. DynCorp, now how much you want to bet, by the way, mark my words, that as this gets further exposed, that they're currently operating in, in, in Ukraine, that this is going to be censored, scrubbed, and it's going to quietly dissipate. My opinion, watch. DynCorp spent many years trying to move past the, badly pub the bad publicity resulting from these cases. And indeed, one can look forward to more on the subject when Ms. Bolkovox's book and the incident is released in this coming January. So the book's out. You can check it out for yourself. One could also note that in a much less noticed case, in October 2004, it was revealed that DynCorp contract workers operating at the Tolmida Air Base in Colombia, another military base controlled by the U.S. government, distributed a video in which they could be over observed sexually violating underage girls from the town of Melgar. Are you, I mean, you can't, this, to pretend that this is just isolated cases three times under the control of the same group is just crazy to me, especially with how they've already been accused of this before and how the, the very clear history and how nobody's held accountable. If you really want to understand how there's an obvious underbelly of this weird sex trafficking industry, of the, of the disgusting industry, of the horrific pedophilia from, we're talking Hollywood, all this different, it, it's, I mean, look at Epstein. It's amazing that we can still pretend this is conspiracy theory. 
while they alternatively admit that Epstein was operating a sexual blackmail network. But that was the only one, though, because fake news anywhere else, right? Because we don't want to address it. How crazy is that? Literally blackmailing high-level politicians, working with the Mossad and the CIA. All this has been shown to be obviously true. And yeah, we can't address this in mainstream press. It's so pathetic. So they distributed a video. People that were working for DynCorp, whether they were contractors or not, exactly like what happened elsewhere, directly with their people involved at high levels of the business. But no, these ones are just on their own accord, right? The video was even sold on the main streets of Bogota. Or is it Bogota? Is that pronounced? Nonetheless, the Lawyers Collective of Colombia had not learned of any criminal investigation undertaken in relation to the acts involving minors. Right, because this is just their employees that went afoul, but they didn't even care to investigate. Right? According to follow-up work carried out by the Lawyers Collective, it was discovered that one of the minors involved in the videos committed suicide sometime after publication of them. Or, you know, maybe it was taken out, however you want to look at it. But guess what didn't happen? Any, even, not the slightest bit of accountability. Bogota. Thank you. Now, courtesy of WikiLeaks, I'll show you next. DynCorp can look forward to a new round of ridicule and denunciations. At, as first reported by the British Guardian newspaper, on June 24, 2009, the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan sent a cable to Washington under the signature of Carl El Elkenberry, U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan, regarding a meeting between Assistant Chief of Mission Joseph Musameli and Afghan Minister of Interior Hanaf Akmar. Among the issues discussed was what diplomats delicately called the Kunduz DynCorp problem. Kunduz is a northern province of Afghanistan. Kunduz. Quote, it says, In a May 2009 meeting, Interior Minister Hanaf Atmar expresses deep concerns that if lives could, could, that if lives could be in danger if news leaked that foreign police trainers working for U.S. commercial contractor DynCorp hired, quote, dancing boys to perform for them. Which, by the way, is 100% true and easily verifiable. The point is that this is an obvious continuation where diplomats called this that. They knew it was happening, addressed it as a problem, and wanted it to be covered up. This is horrific, guys, and it's exactly what's happening right now all over the world. Here's an article, 2016, Hillary Clinton and DynCorp, The Untold Story of the 15-Year-Old Belly Dancer. Now, there's a bunch of different stuff in here that some of it's, you know, I would say maybe a little bit subjective, as a lot of places are. But I'll point, this is the per where I saw this first, so I'd like to give them a shout and just really point out that there's parts in this that are really important. As it says, Cheryl D. Mills, while being counselor of the United States Department of State, sent an email to Hillary Clinton to heads up about the scandal, stating the importance of dealing with the story before it went public. That's called covering it up, guys. That's what, that's not accountability. This email is evidence, I'll show you next, from WikiLeaks, that Hillary Clinton and the State Department were aware of this scandal, and still, they continued to work in close collaboration with DynCorp, and by the way, still do to this day, in Ukraine, alongside extremists that they're now funding there. But the point is that this continues, and they covered it up. And don't forget where these emails came from, right? This, this is WikiLeaks and the whole Clinton scandal and all of this. And guess who's still about to be sentenced to possibly death in the United States? That's WikiLeaks, or rather, excuse me, Julian Assange. Don't forget that. Truth. 
Not a single thing that ever came from them has been shown to be false. And here we are. And he's the one being held accountable. Not Hillary Clinton, not DynCorp, not any of the people involved with bombing those Reuters journalists on the ground in Afghanistan. Nope, none of it. Collateral murder. No, nope, doesn't matter. Only the people that showed you the truth. Because these are the people that are fighting against them. These people. Not good guys. Terrible, disgusting people that allow sexual traffic and rape. They even granted DynCorp a contract to provide support for the criminal justice program support. The CJPS, which ironically involved teaching people about criminal justice and law enforcement. That's not a joke. These people that were allowing rape, child trafficking, sexual abuse, were the ones that were given contracts right after this to support criminal justice. Maybe it was because of the financial ties that DynCorp had with Hillary Clinton at the State Department overlooked these scandals and others that were investigated when Bill was president. But, you know, who knows? Certainly a possibility. But before we go forward, let's make sure you see the actual email. DynCorp post story, second shoe to drop. Now, nobody writes that unless it's, I mean, you don't write second shoe to drop unless it was something that was true. That's what that means. The second thing is about to be, get exposed. They know this is happening, guys. That's easy to prove. Ask yourself how it's possible that this stuff can be on the public record and nothing happens unless there's an allowance of this in the power structure. Right, stars pointing to Haiti. We've talked about that a lot. Haiti, actually, no, I'll, I'll come back to that because I do. I forgot I brought up my point about Silsby. We'll get to that in a second. The other issue it says, now here, this is an email you can read for yourself. And you can see it's from Cheryl Mills. Unclassified U.S. Department of State case, number, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so it says, and you can see it's two the people we just mentioned. The other issue that surfaced at the time was a colossal error in judgment by one of the contractor's employees in hiring an adolescent boy dancer for some sort of event that, at least to most folks, looked very inappropriate. Can you believe how they're framing this? This is private. So are, are they really, so they're ambiguously going, well, it might not, some people think it's bad. You mean the abuse of an underage boy for sexual purposes? Yeah, some people are okay with that. At least to most folks, looked inappropriate. Gross. Clearly that gives you an insight into how they view these things, like that they're, you know, whatever, not that bad. Seriously? I mean, that, that, that should be roundly, they should be like, we need to stop this immediately if they cared about it. Now, all they can see, all they point out is that it was an error in judgment for them to publicly hire this boy. Not that it's bad that they were molesting and, and abusing this boy. That's okay. The Post is now looking at the dancing boy, which was not included in the April 17th article, and we expect we'll soon publish a story on it. Now realize, this isn't just one contractor, because it was obvious this was allowed in the base and was prolific in multiple locations, and there's multiple examples before this case. We have already revealed, relieved, the folks involved with both incidents, and I'm meeting with the firm's CEO today to hear his report on his trip to Afghanistan and Iraq to address these, as well as other issues on which we have manned corrective actions. Now you could, you could argue those issues aren't related to the sexual manipulation, but it sure sounds like it. Regardless, guys, as we just discussed, as even Huffington Post pointed out, this was not just a small thing, and it was not just one group. This was from the top down. According to my reporting, she says, oh, this is incoming from the Post. According to my reporting, it reads, the week of April 13th, the DynCorp regional commander from, from this location, Flint Chambers, allowed his men to hire a 15-year-old boy dancer to do tribal dances at the DynCorp party on the training site. Some 15 or so DynCorp employees in attendance pulled out a single chair and had the boy do mock lap dances. Now, as far as I understand it, it was much, much worse than that. 
This video, the, this was captured on video. The video shows DynCorp employees putting dollar bills in the boys' waistband, just as they would a stripper's garner. The, re, the, the revelry lasted about 45 minutes. Right. No sex took place, they claim. Why would you even need to state that? Right? I mean, if this was some kind of, I mean, I, I could theorize all day long. Bottom line is, they knew about this, didn't care. At least didn't think it was important for you to know about it. Now here is a discussion we wrote about. Clinton Silsby trafficking scandal and the media cover-up, as we framed as the true origin of Pizzagate. Because understand, the whole discussion around that was completely manipulated. Not that there wasn't valid points in reality to it, but the fact that it got boiled down from the Western corporate press perspective as pizza, uh, you know, and a pizza joint with Hillary Clinton in the bottom of the pizza joint. Now, there's obvious things to discuss in that topic that, that were potentially inter- the, the, the whole information. I mean, I covered this in depth. The point is that there was more to it than that. That, in fact, was long before that things like this, which, by the way, to break it down quickly, is the fact that this woman here, Laura Silsby, now Laura Gaylor, because she changed her name, was arrested. You can see the two men behind her in Haiti trying to traffic children out of the country. And then. When they caught her, arrested her for human trafficking on the record, and then and then got in contact with the State Department, well, they said, well, we're going to take care of it. We're going to arrest her. And then brought her home and let her go, which they do all the time, by the way. It's happened in Haiti more than once. Recently, a story, I think it was Haiti also, months ago, there was CIA agents that got caught. Remember, we covered that. And they said, don't worry, we'll, they, they're breaking the law. We'll hold them accountable. And they let him go, and they just immediately let him go. They lied. They, I mean, it was on the record. They said, oh, we'll, we'll hold them accountable. <laughs> nope, doesn't matter, because they were conducting an operation. So the point is, she got sent home and let go after being accused and arrested for human trafficking. And Hillary Clinton was the exact person that made that happen. It's incredible, guys. And the point was, this is one of the origin points of this discussion, of the, of the really opening the story of what was going on, which really, when you talk about the term, whether you want to call it Pizzagate or whatever the term they gave it, the idea of trafficking, and as I pointed out in my articles, pedophilia and sexual manipulation of the highest levels of power, the reality being that you can clearly show that there was an opening of this conversation that led back to things like Jeffrey Epstein. That was then couched in a ridiculous narrative that was one very small part of a larger story. And people like the absurd David Seaman out there roundly focused only on things like these emails and the code words, which, by the way, we pointed out were interesting and very relevant, but a very small, unverifiable point that with everything else was very important because I agree there was something to them. But if all you focus is on that, you allow the whole story to be roundly dismissed over and over. And I think that's what he did, my opinion. Nonetheless, this is valid. And to break it down, the, the point, guys, is that they got her off. And since her release from detention in Haiti, Laura Silsby returned to Idaho. In 2015, she married and took the last name Gaylor. Silsby is currently employed by a software company, which is AlertSense. AlertSense. She's the vice president of marketing. AlertSense works with the federal government to do what? Put out alerts for missing children. I'm not even making that up. Arrested for attempting to steal 30 children from Haiti, let off by Hillary Clinton. And this is an open story, guys. It's open. It's very on the record. But the bottom line is you, you even point at the facts and people call you conspiracy theorists because that's how it's been framed. Now, here's something that you'll find even more interesting. That I bet you most people who haven't, weren't following us back at this point heard or even knew about. And this I find incredible because this is a, West, it's a corporate press report from Chuck Todd discussing Hillary Clinton, her State Department, 
and some really interesting allegations. Ms. McKinney. Oh, that's not the right one. Hold on. I forgot I had that. I pulled up the wrong one. Here it is. It's over here, and we are following this breaking news out of Washington. Some serious allegations this morning facing the State Department. That's right. According to internal State Department memos, the agency might have called off or intervened in investigation into possibly illegal and inappropriate behavior within its ranks, allegedly to protect jobs and avoid scandals. This concerns the time that Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. We want to get right to NBC's Chief White House correspondent, Chuck Todd, with the latest. Chuck, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. You know, there's... I also want to tell you, I just want to give you a heads up before because I, I was so excited for you to see this. You're never going to guess who the person speaking on behalf of the White House is. Just wait. You're going to love it. And this is all the way back in, let me look at the date real quick. This was back in, uh, oh, excuse me, that's the wrong one. Shoot. I think it was 2016, if I remember correctly. Or correct me on the chat if I'm wrong on the date. There's an old saying in Washington. It, Chuck Todd with the latest. Chuck, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. You know, there's an old saying in Washington that the cover-up is worse than the crime. But in this case, both parts of it are disturbing. Allegations of prostitution and pedophilia and allegations that those crimes were somehow covered up or not looked into. So the State Department this morning is having to respond to those claims and those investigations uh, of misconduct by State Department officials, including by an ambassador and security agents attached to then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And the allegations are that these investigations were whitewashed, quashed altogether, and that those orders came from high up. NBC News has obtained documents related to ongoing investigations <clears throat> into some disturbing allegations involving State Department personnel and at least one ambassador. A State Department memo says the ambassador, quote, routinely ditched his protective security detail in order to solicit sexual favors from both prostitutes and minor children. Now, recognize, guys, this is not the same story. Same time frame, not the same story. That's super important. How do you miss how clearly prolific this is? When we know that Epstein was operating at this time, we know that Clinton, I mean, in two different in obvious open conversations, Hillary Clinton is involved in covering up pedophilia and human trafficking. How incredible is that? And yet it's fake news because just like COVID vaccines being dangerous are fake news or like the fact that the U.S. had been building a white supremacist neo-Nazi army in Ukraine to use it against you is fake news, despite the evidence being plainly clear, plainly apparent. The memo also says a top State Department official directed department investigators to, quote, cease the investigation into the ambassador's conduct. Exactly. It's just one of what another document describes as, quote, several examples of undue influence from top state officials. On Monday, a State Department well, spokesperson well, will not confirm specific hey. investigations. I'm not going to talk. Look at that. It's Pisaki, our favorite. And just for the record, guys, because I, I guess people don't. I'm very aware that her name is not Pisaki. I'm aware of that. Just to make that clear for everybody, I'm not mispronouncing her name. I just think it's funny because I find her to be utter, one of the most ridiculous players on this stage. And she's not by any means in control. I just think she's ridiculous. And I just think it's you know, funny because they made a big deal about her name. But anyway, how interesting is that? How interesting is that? I mean, it, she's an insider, guys. <laughs> That's the interesting point. And you can't miss the clear chord, like, that this she's involved around Clinton at this point and find yourself in a very obvious position under Biden. I don't know, man. I find that to be really interesting. But listen to what she has to say. Department spokesperson will not confirm specific investigations. I'm not going to talk about specific cases, but I can say broadly that the notion that we would not vigorously pursue criminal misconduct uh, in a case, uh, in any case, is preposterous. 
Oh, is that true? Oh, th- think about how uh, inherent. Laugh out loud ridiculous that is. I mean, laugh out loud. Like, yes, they want to make sure, oh, oh we're going to investigate that. But are we, are, what, what about the fact of, like, Afghanistan war crimes? Oh, you mean you didn't acute, you didn't outright threaten the ICC if they investigated those war crimes? Yeah, of course. Or how about the WikiLeaks revelations and the, the murdering of those two journalists and Reuters journalists? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we would never not investigate. You mean like that one or that one or that one or any other things that you roundly choose not to investigate because you don't like the outcome? These people are just comically stupid. Like, they, I mean, we all know that's not true, and they just play the line. That's what they're supposed to. That's why she's in this position today, because she will toe the line. That's all they know how to do. But even if you believe they're doing it for the right reasons, we all know that they wouldn't focus on an investigation that would make them look bad. That's just plants, and no government would do that. But here she is going, well, I won't comment on the investigations that got exposed. Right, because you're talking about terrible things that we now know. Former investigator for the department's inspector general has complained to Congress and the media that the investigations have not been thorough because of the pressure from those high-level officials. We take every allegation of misconduct seriously and we look into it. It was less than six months ago that another man... Don't you love these meaningless statements? Right? We do everything. We take it all seriously and we do everything we're supposed to. Right? We all we do the right thing and we did the right thing there and we do the right thing there. Like, it's just meaningless. It has no basis in reality. We always take it seriously and we always do the right thing. Just say, every time, answer everything. Just like that. What, ask a question about something? Well, we always do it right. Is your question the wrong thing? We do the right thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's write it down and put it on a statement and post it on the wall. We did the right thing. Go away. <laughs> this is so stupid. Major internal investigation painted Hillary Clinton's State Department in a negative light. That scathing report on the failed diplomatic security procedures in the aftermath of the Benghazi attack. What difference at this point does it make? Everything. Remember that, that meme right there? What difference does it make? Maybe because you were involved verifiably with a very horrific action that was completely fabricated. I mean, the entire thing. Of course it doesn't make a difference because you don't want people to find out, as we now know, but no accountability around it, that you guys committed war crimes. That you literally overthrew a country based on nothing. And, re- and the reality now is that that country had the highest quality of life of any think place in Africa. It's easy to look up easy. The idea that they had free education, free health care. Now, that doesn't mean it's perfect, but the bottom line was they destroyed Libya, and, and then after they supposedly liberated it, was the very extremists they funded were openly selling those Libyans as slaves. Right. You liberated them right into slavery. Great job. But what difference does it make now? Right? Clearly, she's trying to scare you away from looking into the reality of their crimes. It is our job to figure out what happened as we noted, the whistleblower in this case, a member of the Inspector General investigative team at the State Department, she's gone to Congress. To... Right. So the actual special investigator, the one person who, like we're talking about the Seagar person in Afghanistan, that's the, that is the lead person investigating this. In fact, turned whistleblower and went to the state, went to the people above her. But yeah, let's pretend like it's just fake allegations, right? It certainly could be. But you know what didn't happen? A fleshing out of the story. They shoved it under the rug and they ran from it because that's what happens when you're right. Demanding an investigation, and it's our understanding, Congressman Ed Royce, the leading Republican in House Foreign Relations, says he does plan on having an investigation, and no doubt hearings are probably going to come soon as nope. well, Savannah. But Chuck, nope. where are we on this? Is at this point just allegations from one whistleblower? Have they been substantiated in any way? Well, what, here, here's what it is. The, the, the whistleblower says that this report, that the internal investigation having to do with how diplomatic security even investigated these allegations. Which we don't get to see, right? Because this didn't get flushed out. 
That's where this scathing report came from. It's how the investigators somehow dropped the investigations, including into this ambassador and onto some other deal, including on, on folks that were part of security detail. So the allegations themselves haven't been fully substantiated by, by us, but this Inspector General whistleblower believes that the evidence was clear, but the problem was the investigation wasn't done in time to find out for sure if this misconduct was happening. Uh, more to come on this for sure. Chuck Todd, thank you very much. Uh, and we are following us over here, and we are following this breaking news out of Washington. Some serious allegations. Us over here, and we are. That's weird. I forgot that this repeated, but it's just incredible. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that that stuff can be on the record still. It's still right there. I mean, here here's I'll include the the clip itself on YouTube. This person put up there. Thank you for them for doing that. Because I that wasn't I didn't find it, you know. Unless people like this post it with 69 subscribers, the only that's the only way these things even last on here anymore. Now here is an article that we put up on the on the last American Vagabond back in 2017. Army general and former VP of company of DynCorp, now at the heart of a child sex trafficking scandal, arrested for rape, child rape. Like this is the point, guys. This is not some. Th this story never ends. How you can see them getting caught for it repeatedly as DynCorp in military bases, and they go, oh, it's a bad apple, right? Hillary Clinton gets accused of this, and people on the inside, whistleblowers that are literally the chief investigator, oh, no, fake news, don't talk about it. Silsby get arrested, no, we'll let her go, don't look into it. It's all just bad apples. But then the actual VP of the company arrested for child rape after the case, after the fact, because that's not a thing they do, right? Think about how ridiculous that is. Now, you guys can read this for yourself. This has been the, the I've, I've referenced this a long time ago. Now, I want to let you play the full clip from Cynthia McKinney. Because this is something she tried to call your attention to a long time ago. As their high-level level officials get arrested for child rape after they spent years trying to convince you that it wasn't happening, right? Let's listen to what Cynthia McKinney had to say. Oh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, I watched... President Bush deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in September 2003, in which he mentioned, he mentioned the crisis of the sex trade. The president called for the punishment of those involved in this horrible business. But at the very moment of that speech, DynCor was exposed for having been involved in the buying and selling of young women and children. While all of this was going on, DynCorp kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccines and is now working on a plague vaccine through the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the... Don't miss the obvious interesting crossover right there. I mean, I shouldn't even, I'm sure I don't have to point that out. Like the, the essentially pushing in and, and the very people that are involved with the criminal activity are the very ones that are seemingly involved with the pushing and for and what would, you know, don't forget what happened in India and, and, and different places around the world where these people have spoken up about the forceful manipulative actions around these vaccine administrations. There's something more going on there, whether it's experimentation. This is just valid questions that we should be asking what we know is happening today and we can prove has happened in many other locations. So if we're you know, balking at the fact that we would argue there's manipulations around vaccines, yet it's, we're proving these people are conducting human trafficking. It's like it's a little bit of a, a balance here in your mind. U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls. Is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? That's my first question. My second question, Mr. Secretary, according to the Comptroller General of the United States,
There are serious financial pro management problems at the Pentagon, to which Mr. Cooper alluded. Fiscal year 1999, 2.3 trillion missing. Fiscal year 2000, 1.1 trillion missing. And DOD is the number one reason why the government can't balance its checkbook. The Pentagon has claimed year after year that the reason it can't account for the money is because its computers don't communicate with each other. My second question, Mr. Secretary, is who has the contracts today to make those systems communicate with each other? How long have they had those contracts? And how much have the taxpayers paid for them? Finally, Mr. Secretary, after the last hearing, I thought that my office was promised a written response to my question regarding the four war games on September 11th. I have not yet received that re response but would like for you to respond to the questions that I've put to you today, and then I do expect the written response to my previous question, hopefully by the end of the week. Now, what's interesting is the money discussion. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could look at what's going on there, right? These are just black, you know, off-the-books money, right? Just goes up missing, right? Now, we, all, we know the obvious point about 9-11 and how they, right before they admitted all these trillions were missing, and there's, there's overlap here of 9-11 at the end. But what's interesting is that it could be weapons or funding of proxy manipulators or, you know, whatever else, false flags, but it could also literally be what we're talking about here, right? This could be conducting things like sexual blackmail, like, which is like the CIA's modus operandi, right? That's what this is. So interesting to think about. Um, thank you, uh, Representative. The first, the answer to your first question is, is no. Absolutely not. The policy of the United States government is uh, clear, unambiguous, and opposed to uh, to the activities that you described. The uh... <laughs> and that's the answer, basically, right? I mean, well, I mean, let's be real. Are we really going to expect him, even if he was guilty, if he is guilty, to just be like, "Yeah, yeah, you got me. That's what we're doing," right? I mean, it's just like it's so funny. We, we expect truth out of these ridiculous shows. It's obvious they're just going to tell you what they want you to hear. No, it's our policy to not do rape and murder, right? Obviously. Yeah, obviously that's your policy. But the point is that there's obvious examples of that. Obvious, verifiable, criminal accounts. And yet they continue to fund them. So regardless of his stupid comment, it's, it's, yeah, the answer is yes. Yes, it is our policy in this case to continue to fund people caught for human trafficking. But it's just, that's, you don't get that. And there's no truth in this dynamic. Um, the second question. Well, how do you explain the fact that um, DynCorp and its successor uh, companies have received and continue to receive government contracts? I would have to go and, and find the facts, but there are laws and rules and regulations with respect to government contracts. And there are times that corporations do things they should not do, in which case they tend to be suspended for some period. You know, like rape boys and stuff. You know, no big deal. We just give them a little slap on the wrist and go right back to work. Right, Remy? Right? That's the point, right? We just, you know, we only go afoul of the law sometimes. Like, just think about the way he's discussing this right now. She's literally talking about open human trafficking, sexual blackmail, rape. And he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes they break the law. I mean, Really? This is, this is, in my mind, this is up there with like, you know, it's 500,000 shows. Yeah, it's worth it. It's like, really, I can't even believe he's talking about it so nonchalantly. These are facts. The argument is whether they knew about it and allowed it. We know it happened. 
I just, I mean, I just, it really did. I mean, he has this kind of like weird way about it. It makes him seem like he's not a bad guy. And like that's that they, there's reason that people like this are in these positions. I believe he's a terrible human being, which is crazy to watch how he responds to this. There are times that corporations do things they should not do, in which case they tend to be suspended for some period. There are times then that, that the, under the laws and the rules and regulations for the, that uh, passed by the Congress and implemented by the executive branch, that corporations can get off of the pen, out of the penalty box, if you will, and, and be permitted to engage in contracts with the government. They're, they're not generally not barred in perpetuity. This right. It doesn't matter if they rape children or human traffic, right? Eventually, we'll get them back on the line. Like, he literally just said that. I should literally, he didn't literally. He just said that. Paraphrasing what he just said was, you're asking about human trafficking. He goes, well, sometimes they do bad things, and sometimes, you know, there's a penalty box, and we let them back in. That's his answer. I, I can't even understand how that was acceptable. Like, why did everybody just gasp in shock? Contract. This company um, was never in the penalty box. If you could okay, well, there's a bit of an interesting point, right? Except they never actually even got penalized. So you're ridiculous. But that's it, though. Right? You, the point is you got your answer right there. That's the best you're going to get from the government. The reality is they knew and they let him back. In fact, they didn't even put him out. They knew, didn't care, let him go. But his answer is sometimes people get penalized and sometimes they get left back in, but it didn't happen in this case. That's his answer. That's his answer. Proceed to my second question, please. The, um, the second oh. question... Uh, I've forgotten what the second question was. I think Ms. Jonas knows it. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Ms. McKinney. I appreciate the question. I appreciate your interest in uh, our department's financial uh, condition, and uh, we are working very hard on that program. I've just come back uh, recently. This <laughs> I understand that you're working hard on it, but my question was, who has the contract? How long has that, have they had that contract, there are, and how much money have we spent on it? In general, we spend about $20 billion in the Department on Information Technology Systems. Uh, the, uh, the accounting... Or something that doesn't work. Uh, systems are part of that. I can get you the exact number for the record. Or at the least, it's part of that gigantic number, which is huge. And this is the point. So this is an illusion. Her, her, her point is, these, we, the only reason we don't get it is because they won't communicate. And her point is, well, there's obviously somebody in charge of that. And we spend money on it, millions and billions of dollars every year for something that doesn't actually ever work. So you can continue to go, well, here's why we can't get this to work. Therefore, we don't have an answer for you forever. That is plausible deniability. And here's her answer of what we spend on our current, what we call legacy systems. Uh, and those oh, that's interesting, by the way. Don't forget, these are the legacy systems they're pointing at that we need to remove because they want to transition into a great reset technocratic future and be further ahead than China in regard to artificial intelligence. Legacy systems like, you know, the, the, the fact that every American has a car or the fact that we get to make our own decisions and, you know, these old things that we don't, it's not your choice anymore. Whitney's written about this in depth. It's a very interesting point of what we spend on our current, what we call legacy systems, uh, and those that we're moving toward. And who has the contracts? Uh, that, that would be a multitude of uh, individuals. That Could you have. name some, please? Uh, well, I think off the top of the, uh, my head, well, I would rather not. I'd rather provide Ooh. that. Wow, that was a really very telling answer. She has people on her mind. You don't say off the top of my head without, without having somebody in your mind. At least that's what I would argue.
And then, but at the very least, are we really going to pretend the person in charge of this, knowing they're going to talk about this, would not know one of the groups? Because remember, this is a question she's asked. She's asking for a written response to. They already know she's going to ask this question. Think about how crazy that is. She And watch how it plays out. She's choosing to not divulge who is involved with this with, with the companies that aren't achieving what they're being paid to do, which gives them plausible deniability. And she about she's just about to say some of them, and then goes, well, well, I, I never mind. <laughs> I don't want to say their names out loud. I mean, this guys, these are criminals. I don't know how you can see this and not walk away thinking these are bad. These are people that are manipulating you. Uh, well, I think off the top of the uh, my head, well, I would rather not. I'd rather provide well, that for the record. That's not privileged information, is it? I'm sure it's not. Well, please. Yeah, right. Then say and it. And we still have time, so please. I would be glad to provide for the record. I don't want to talk from the top of my head and be incorrect. The uh... oh, right. So yes, yeah, so then she pretends that oh, I just don't know. Well, it's not what you said. And on top of that, recognize that this dis it almost never gets followed up. Like even the written responses, they, that rarely happens when they say they're going to do that, as far as I can tell. On your first question, I'm advised by Dr. Chu that it was not the corporation that was engaged in the activities you characterized, but I'm told it was an employee of the corporation. Ah, see, and here's where he tries to do the same thing. We just played, we just showed you the highlights, by the way. There's more than what I just showed you. And it wasn't just one contractor. It was multiple times, multiple people at high-level positions. Even the Huffington Post had the, had the whatever you want to call it, just was willing to point at it. High-level people in DynCorp, as well as people on the bottom, on military bases, open parties, hiring young boys, multiple times. I mean, this is disgusting, and they know it. And his argument is, well, it's one contractor, right? Not true. And uh, it was some years ago in the Balkans that that took place. Not just the it's Balkans. My but, but Bosnia, in three of the locations that we talked about. Understanding that it continues to take place. And yeah, is that, that right? Yes. Well, if you can I'm, give me information to I'm that effect. I'm sure you are will... interested in all of the information that I have, and I'll be more than happy to provide it to Good. you. Good. Thank you. But I would also like to get information from you. Okay. For example, the information that I just requested about who has those contracts. Right. So this is 2006. Right, just really quickly, just understand. 2006, he's going well. I, you, there's no one. He's implying that there's no information that this continued after 2006. <laughs> right, this is written on 2011. Okay, this is written in 2016. This email was from 2009, at the very least. The point is, this goes way past 2006. So it's obvious this continued. Donald Rumsfeld is a liar, and he knows that. This is the point. This is on the record. They knew it. They're openly talking about this stuff. These people are manipulators. Let me uh, assure the general lady that uh, we'll make sure that this uh, exchange of information takes place. And uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, if you can get back with us on the dying core uh, we, we uh, story. Uh, we'll uh, get that to the gentlelady. We'll get Thank back. you, Mr. Chairman. We'll get back on both of the first two questions, but uh, the, the Congresswoman has raised the other question twice now, and I'd like to have General Myers respond because you, you mentioned it in the last hearing, and I think it would be helpful to get the answer, even though okay. we're on red, if you okay. don't mind, Mr. Chairman. Uh, General Myers, go right ahead. But I would like to have the answer in writing as well as I thought my office was promised. Right. Okay, I don't know about the promise, uh, uh, Congresswoman, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Somebody over there. It's not my job. He did it. Oh, they did it. Oh, no, point, point the other way. Right? Oh, the uh, State Department's supposed to do that, right? It's, it's garbage how this happens every time, right? Oh, I thought that was supposed to be the Department of State. You know, then just point the other side. Point somewhere else.
Repeat the question to make sure I'm answering the right question. This is 9-11 question. The question was, we had four war games going on on September 11th, and the question that I tried to pose before the uh, secretary had to go to lunch was... Right, so they tried to ask, she tried to ask it, and they just happened to want to go to lunch right after the question. Oh, we'll get back to it. Come on. Um, whether or not the activities of the four war games going on on September 11th actually impaired our ability to, to respond to the attacks. James Corbett does a great coverage of this, and, and just, it's, it's, this is painfully obvious. The argument is that they, they, you know, it helped us, but the reality is quite obviously that it didn't, and that was the point. It was the exact fact that they were conducting these things that confused everybody. NORAD and the FFA, FAA, they basically were like, was this, is this drill? Is this fake? What's going on? And that was the point. So he lies to you right here. Uh, the answer to the question is no, did not impair our response. In fact, uh, General Eberhardt, who was in the commander of North American Aerospace Defense Command, as he tells Watch this guy behind his right shoulder, by the way. Testified in front of the 9-11 Commission, I believe. I believe he told him that it enhanced our ability to respond Given that NORAD didn't have the overall responsibility for responding to the attacks today, that was uh, an FAA responsibility. But they were... Now, you know why that's ridiculous? Because at the time, it was pointing the other direction. Like, the idea was like, well, you know, we weren't responsible, they weren't responsible, and this was the whole point, guys. This was part of the illusion, part of the manipulation. Uh, there were two CPXs. There was one Department of Justice exercise that didn't have anything to do with the, the other three. And there was an actual operation ongoing because there was some Russian bomber activity up near Alaska. So we Let me ask you this, then. Who was in charge of managing those war games? And, uh, and General, uh, why don't you give the, uh, give the best answer you can here in a short period of time, and we'll... Uh, the gentlelady wants to get a written answer anyway, and then we can move on uh, to The important thing folks. to realize is North American Aerospace Defense Command was responsible uh, these are uh, command post exercises. How often does that happen where, where the, the chair inserts themselves and goes, just truncate your answer because we're going to write them anyway, right? Just skip it. They have plenty of time. Isn't that strange? It's not strange, in fact. It seems obvious to me. It's like, well, just, you know, just skim over the details. Don't make it too obvious. <laughs> it's just crazy. What that means is all the battle positions that uh, are normally not filled are indeed filled. So it was an easy transition from an exercise into a real-world situation, actually exactly. enhanced the, the response. Otherwise, it would take somewhere between 30 minutes and a couple of hours to fill those positions, those battle spaces, with the the, the right staff officers. But, that, but you're you're ignoring the very clear thing that was discussed right after this, that they were confused about what was going on. Just because there were people in positions, they thought they were in a drill, so they thought they couldn't take action. This has been openly discussed since then. There's plenty of evidence around this. James Corbett, again, I recommend you check out. He knows that. He's lying. I, don't, I find it impossible to believe that he's not well aware that they were wildly confused about what was going on, and that was the exact reason they used about why they didn't do certain things. But in this moment, he's going, yeah, we were good to go. Nope. Mr. Chairman, begging your indulgence, was September 11th declared a National Security Special Event Day? I have to look back. I do not know. You mean after the fact or before the No, because of the activities going on that had been scheduled at the United Nations that day. I'd have to go back and check. Don't know. It wasn't, by the way. Okay. I want to thank the gentlelady. The, um, the chair uh, would ask. His answer is response, his movements right there were just kind of humorous and interesting. But, I mean, it's, this, is call, this is being called out in 2006. The obvious reality is DynCorp is 
obviously guilty of these crimes, of covering them up, and so too is the U.S. government. I mean, there's no denying this. Nobody was held accountable. You can look back as far as you want to go. She's calling it out in the open, in the open congressional session, and nothing happens. So this brings us to Ukraine and what's currently happening in regard to the same groups. This is on March 9th in the BBC. Private military firms see demand in Ukraine war. So the reality off the, right of the gate, guys, is before this ever really started, we have to remember that we'll get to again in a moment, that this was being built, whether you want to recognize that it was a neo-Nazi entity on the ground or just whatever, a, a proxy force from 2014, 15 forward. And so what they were using this entire time, which has now been admitted, are private contractors. So the entire time from 2014 forward, the U.S. has had a gigantic presence in Ukraine, and they still do. As I understand it, there's about 150,000 plus people on the front line on Ukraine side that nobody really gets talking about. How is it even possible? I shouldn't say is it possible. I'm sure that just it is largely U.S. contractors and you like the people of Ukraine themselves are the ones that are arguing. Are, the, the Ukrainian armed forces are not even close. The bottom line is this is an obvious manipulation. Military, private firms, mercenaries. As it says here, multilingual former soldiers willing to covertly head to Ukraine is what they're calling for. Right, that's why they get all the weird extremists from all around the world just want to make money, right? When you call for people that want to profit from killing, what do you think you get from that? What kind of person do you think that calls? There is a frenzy in the market, they say, for private contractors in Ukraine today. That's Robert, Pel Robert Young Pelton, an American Canadian, a Canadian American author, specifically expert on private military companies. Why is it that we don't hear about that from the Western press? If there's a frenzy for private contractors and all we get is this framing about people rising up for volunteers to fight against Russia, they're, they're creating a emotional propaganda campaign. When really what's happening is a bunch of privately hired mercenaries going to fight against the Russian bad guy because the U.S. wants that. But the demand for paid security workers, many of them former soldiers with the ability to fight and kill, in the midst of a war leaves plenty of room, and that's what they want, for mistakes and the potential for bedlam. Yeah, of course, because you're bringing in a bunch of bad people that want to kill for money. Yeah, that's not going to cause a problem, right? Now, of course, that doesn't mean all of them are like that. There's plenty of people going over there because they've been tricked into thinking they're fighting for freedom, just like they do in any other place, like the U.S. military. They think they're doing good things, and they walk away realizing they've been tricked, which is what usually happens. You could talk to most Iraq veterans, and you'll find out pretty disgustingly what actually happened there. That's why they attack them and call them crazy and drug them up with pills, but Foreign military contractors say they are not fighting in Ukraine. Okay, that's what BBC wants you to think. No, no, no. It's like, despite the fact that what we're talking about is that there's a, a frenzy in private contracting, the expert says. And they literally, literally go on to be like, no, it's a bunch of, you know, hired people that are going there because they want to fight and defend Ukraine. It's ex-military that want to fight for freedom. That's literally what they try to frame. And then they give you the argument, well, they, the foreign military contractors say they're not over there. Except it's very easy to see that that's not true. But that's BBC for you, doing what they do. Now, this is, this is a, I'm not familiar with the outlet, but I just, this is just a, they good points, and I'll, I'll prove it in other articles as well. Analysis, Blackwater mercenaries, NATO's secret weapon in Ukraine. So this, this analysis from this author is telling you that Blackwater, and I'll prove it to you using other outlets as well, are NATO's secret weapon. They're 100% in Ukraine, and I'll show you that next. But the question is whether they have been utilized by NATO. Now, why wouldn't they be? 
Blackwater Academy has been used in almost every location around the world. And I'll make that argument for you here about why that's the new future of warfare. Depicting a doomsday scenario in order to malign Russia's calculated offensive. This is his opinion, but I agree with most of this. In Ukraine to... Depicting a doomsday scenario in order to malign Russia's calculated offensive in Ukraine to minimize collateral damage, mainstream reporting focused today, I want to believe the fifth, yep, the fifth, on the fire that broke out at the Zaporizhia plant, one of Europe's largest nuclear power plants situated 550 kilometers southeast of Kiev. The fire has since been extinguished after the plant was captured by Russian troops and no radiation leak had just been detected. The black ops of setting a building in the sprawling nuclear complex alight and then posting doctored video clips of Russian tanks shelling straight at the nuclear plant on social media, promptly verified as authentic by corporate media, was clearly the dirty work of covert saboteurs who have been advising and assisting Ukraine's inept security forces and also taking active part in combat operations in some of the most hard-fought battles against Russia's security forces north of Kiev and Kharkiv and Donbass. After capturing... Kursen yesterday, your Russian forces even apprehended several suspicious and armed foreign nationals who are currently being interrogated by Russia's military intelligence. Now, these people are what we're talking about, right? These are the foreign, like the Dyncor, Blackwater type people. That's what, that's what he's discussing. Now, what's interesting, though, is his argument that this is a false flag. Now, I can't verify that myself, but what I do know is they have done this for sure. I've seen on, I've seen uh, uh, I think three confirmations of the cluster bomb. I've seen a lot of independent confirmation of what happened on the ground that Patrick Lancaster and plenty of others have, have shown you. And I've seen no arguments and even valid, even val no argument whatsoever that that's fake other than saying it's fake. They go, no, it didn't happen. Okay, then prove it. There's, I've seen, watch, I'm looking at video footage of it. Now, in reverse, we do have videos that come out on the other side and a lot, and I mean a lot, most of it has been shown to be false. Now, I'm going to show you two examples of another side of this arguing that Russia is doing it too. And in no way have I ever said that's not happening. I need evidence of it. And we'll review what, what they're presenting as the evidence for it. We'll go through that today. My point is that all sides are capable of this and would do it, but we're blindly taking one side at face value while dismissing actual facts on the other. That's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It shows you, a, and we'll get into why it's cap both sides are capable of it. The point is that we've already shown you people in Donbass who are saying we watched the Ukrainian army fake attacking these that are making it look like it was Russians and then bombing our village that they're in control of. And we've even shown you, and we'll show you another example later of these discussions about these children. And now in one, they're never act, they never factor in the possibility that it could be somebody other than Russia, like the Ukrainian army, the CIA, the mercenaries on the ground. No, none of that, right? Proving that, well, this person did get hurt, therefore it has to be Russia. That's their logic today. Well, they said it's fake. Well, fake doesn't necessarily mean that the person didn't get hurt. You see, these are nuances they don't like to talk about. Because they're being caught faking things on the Ukrainian side roundly. Colonel, the, the Colonel McGregor's pointed this out. I mean, it's obvious. Off Guardian has proven it to you with multiple examples. Going forward, it says, although the Pentagon's military contractors have known to be training and advising several brigades of neo-Nazis backed by Ukraine security forces in the Donbass region since 2014, and I'll prove that again to you in a minute, Eric Prince, along with his associates from several other private security firms providing military contractors to the U.S. Department of State or De 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 Department of Defense, personally visited Kiev 
early last month in February, following the Russian troop buildup and met with security officials of the Zelensky regime. Now, by the way, we'll come to this in a second. This is not something we can dismiss. Time, even Time Magazine was telling you that he was building an army in Ukraine back in July of 2021. That's how ridiculous this stuff is, but it's going to be fake news if you say it in the wrong circles right now. Before Because if you dare suggest that it's hired mercenaries, they're going to go, no, it's a, they're fighting for freedom. It's everybody over there volunteering for, for the good cause. I stand with Ukraine. That's all. People are just emotionally overwhelmed by this. Their, their COVID psychosis is bubbling over the top. Oh, Ukraine. In no way does it suggest that there's, I mean, same point, all the time. It says, uh, before embarking on the clandestine Kiev visit, Eric Prince consulted with the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. You know, the guy who said that they share values with the Azov Battalion. And Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, at, with whom his relationship goes a long way back to the early 90s. Well, don't forget who Avril Haines, was, where she was just mentioned, right? Avril Haines, along with uh, Jake Sullivan, former Deputy Chief of Staff to Hillary Clinton, are the two people on the Just Security Advisor Board, who are the group that are aggressively pointing, trying to frame and create the context around the Russian imperial movement being the only reason why the Rise Above movement found its way in the United States, or why there's neo-Nazis involved in Ukraine painfully and clumsily trying to argue that they're the only ones involved, despite the fact that the only evidence they have to tie this is some old argument that ties back to U.S. intelligence they never proved about four to five people from this movement finding their way into Ukraine back in 2015. That is it. But despite all the other evidence, which we'll show you again in a moment about what this group really is and the ties of the CIA, they're desperately trying to lay this at the feet of Russia because that was the plan, in my opinion. But there she is, event 201 participant and all, doesn't matter. Don't just, what's the, what's the thing to, don't man behind, no, that was, I was going to say, don't, don't mind the man behind the curtain. I guess that works. There's another point I was trying to say in there, or a, 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 a phrase, but going back to this, Avril Haines, Eric Prince consulted with Lloyd Austin and Avril Haines, who has a long relationship with around this topic. Interesting, ties to event 201, ties to the actual Manipulate, you know, the, the actual framing of this alleged, this agenda. Like, so if she's involved with trying to lay this at the feet of the, of the Russian discussion, just to be clear, that's not to suggest the Russian imperial movement is not a white neo-Nazi group. Like, that's obviously what they are. That's not the point, though. The point is that they're trying to use that group that has no real connections other than some flimsy ones and a few people that made their way over there to this entity when you can very clearly build an entire long, like decade-long building of this and funding and arming and working alongside them right now to the U.S. government. So she's kind of ridiculous. They're trying to frame it that way. But finding her tie over from this, tying back to Eric Prince, tying back to all of this is really interesting to me. Now it says the fact, oh, and then it goes on to say, uh, oh, I just, where was I? I lost my place. There it is. In his meetings with the high ups in the U.S. national security agencies, Eric Prince reportedly obtained a gentleman's promise. Though without any documentary assurances due to a secretive nature of the Faustine Pact, that he and his associates would not be legally liable for the dirty work they do in the Ukraine proxy war. Well, exactly. That's how this goes. That's th This is how it always operates in these proxy wars. These people are not held accountable. Do you think the Kurds are being held accountable for them? Of course not. They are being used. In fact, private military contractors in close coordination with consulta and consultation with covert operators in this, from the CIA and Western intelligence agencies are not only training Ukraine's conscript forces, 
in the use of caches and stingers and javelins provided by Germany and the rest of European nations as a military assistance to Ukraine, but are also directing the whole defense strategy of, of Ukraine by taking active part in combat operations in some of the most hard-fought battles against Russia's security forces north of Kiev, at Kharkiv, and Donbass. Now, this is most likely why this wasn't some roughshod run over Ukraine as people predicted. Just, they're not fighting Ukraine, guys. That's not what's happening. This is a built force that's been being organized to create an insurgency since 2015. Somebody sent me the Wayback Machine version of this, so it's good we can read it now, February 25th. This is a CIA operative telling you they've been building an insurgency since 2015. Now, an insurgency implies they're fighting in an occupying force. Now, ask yourself how in the world they can be an insurgency before Russia had invaded. They were saying they've been building this for a decade. So yeah, they just knew it was going to happen seven or eight years later. Come on, that's so ridiculous. They made this happen. As it says, Putin will face a long, bloody insurgency that could spread across multiple borders, perhaps even reaching into Belarus. They've read plenty more, and this is a lot in here that's important. As the United States learned in Vietnam and Afghanistan, both places that they destroyed, an insurgency that has reliable supply lines, ample reserves of fighters, and sanctuary over the borders so other places that allow them to do this can sustain itself indefinitely. And here's the point. SAP can sustain itself indefinitely and, and SAP and occupying armies will to fight and exhaust political support for the occupation at home. That's what this is really about. That's the point they're making here. They're basically conducting this in order to manipulate Russia on a long-term scale and have been for a long time, taking active combat operations in these locations. And don't and, he, and all this is sourced in the bottom, by the way. There's link, all this is linked down here you can check out for yourself. And the, link, I mean, the one I was just referencing is right here in regard to Germany, right there, shipping anti-aircraft missiles to Ukraine. It, it's on the record, guys. And this is crazy that they're allowing this right now. In sheer desperation to inflict maximum material damage to Russia's security forces, however, NATO appears to have branched its own long-standing, breached its own long-standing convention of curbing the proliferation of anti-aircraft munitions. As always, their own things mean nothing if it benefits them, right? So it's a long-standing thing. We can't allow that because it could end up in the wrong hands or it could be used against other civilian aircrafts. But the moment Russia bad guy, well, who cares about anything else? Don't forget, though, the hypocritical argument they've already made about how Russia was using those close to the border. Oh, no, they were. Well, why? Because they were building on the border because of the long, continual buildup since 2014 of this exact problem. Or since just the last three months that they've been continually building because they claim Russia was building. Now, that could have happened, but you know, you've got no evidence to back that up. And there was obvious examples of why they would justify that, at least precautionary measures because they were conducting NATO drills inside Ukraine months before this started. They bring fighter jets 200 miles off the coast of Russia months before this started. They were poking them in the eye constantly before this started. But yeah, it's all their fault when they built up on their own border inside their country. They just realize how flimsy this all is. Now, I'm not arguing that it was good this happened or that any of the other points they want to try to put in my mouth. The point is simply that you can understand why this was forced they forced his hand. NATO's discussion about bringing them into NATO as they're right now calling them a fledgling NATO part entity right now. Or the fact that they're talking about nuclear arming these white supremacists on the ground they've been arming that aren't even part of Ukraine. It's dangerous. Or the fact that they just keep murdering people in Donbass, which we've continually proven to you. 14,000, even Ukraine itself admits they've killed inside of Donbass. On the record, 
But we call fake news now because we don't want to talk about it. It's on Wikipedia, by the way. It's how stupid all this is. Now, it says, following Russia's intervention in Ukraine, Germany alone has proudly bragged of dispatching caches of 500 U.S.-made surface-to-air Stinger missiles. So Pisaki can say, no, that's not from us because Germany sent them. That's how dumb this is. Right? No, no, no. We sent them from a ship to Poland. So therefore, it's not from us. <laughs> Good God. And 2,700 Soviet-era shoulder-fired Strela missiles to Ukraine's conscript military. So, you know, you wonder why they sent Soviet-era missiles from the United States? Oh, probably because they're going to pretend they're not from the United States and use them and then blame Russia. Sort of how they use Katyusha rockets all over, all over Iraq and Syria and pretend that means that Iran's still using them, even though nobody around them uses those except for the U.S. government and their proxies. Yeah, no big deal, though. Why would be... Who would be responsible by, for the myopic and vindictive policy of providing anti-aircraft munitions to Ukraine's irregular militias once Kiev falls and those man pads are found in the black market, posing grave risks to civilian airlines across the globe? Well, of course, Russia, because that's who they're going to blame. They're going to blame it all from Russia because they're involved. Well, they were in the ground. So those things they're using, they were Russian stuff. They weren't ours. Exactly. The bottom line is, would anybody question them? If the Western press simply said reports told us they were intelligence says Russian, well, they would all parrot that because that's what happens right now. There's no questioning. The Machiavellian plan of NATO's military strategists is to establish refugee settlements with the humanitarian assistance, this person's arguing, in the border regions of Ukraine's neighboring countries, Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, and then provide guerrilla warfare training and lethal arms to all able-bodied men of military age in order to, quote, bleed Russia's security forces in the protracted irregular warfare. Well, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And by the way, that's exactly what he argued they want to do. This CIA guy who said they've been trying to build this since 2014. But it's fake news, right? Because that's what they want to say. But recognize that there's plenty of other people that are on their side of this narrative who are going, that's exactly what we've been trying to build because freedom. <laughs> Oops. The reality is, guys, it's obvious. There's no missing this if you're even remotely honest. They are building this, and they're using it. And right now, they're trying to build this guerrilla warfare. And guys, that can even you mean in your mind that this is the good guy doing bad things to fight bad guy. Like, if you really want to try be childish about it, doesn't that still mean they're doing bad things? And shouldn't you not be okay with that, right? It's just crazy to me. Just because Russia bad guy doesn't mean they can be bad guy too. It's just childish. Here we are watching them, the argument being anyway, and we can see it happening in Ukraine and everywhere else they're doing this, building proxy war battles that are going to be used from different places. Now, why then? Think about it like this. How about that? Think about it like this. As I say, how about this? Neighboring country, Poland. Let's say they do this. Let's say they actually begin to build proxy or just, you know, forces. Poland's on their side of this, arguably. Well, wouldn't then Russia have a, a reason to stop them if he knows they're building them to be used against him in some kind of covert way? And then when he does that, when he does that, what are they going to say? We warned him about touching Poland. Now we have to bring them into NATO. Yep, exactly. Which means they drove it to action, knowing it was a red line, knowing it would be crossed, knowing that he would call it out and they would deny it. And all the Western press are going to go, yep, because they said. The very press that argues their job is to speak truth to power as they blindly regurgitate what power tells them to say. That's so stupid. I'm laughing too much today about how ridiculous all this is. Now, here is another great article, worldbeyondwar.org. I'm actually not familiar with it, but this is a great article. Blackwater is in the Donbass with the Azov Battalion. Easy to find out, guys. According to reports from the OSCE Special Monitoring Mission in Ukraine, units of the Ukrainian Army and National Guard 
Right. That's the Aza Battalion. Amounting to about 150,000 men are positioned there along the border. The news is overshadowed, of course, by mainstream, which speaks only of Russian deployment. Because that's objective, right? That's what good journalists do, only give you one side of the story. Apparently in Western press, they are armed and trained and so effectively commanded by U.S., NATO, military advisors and instructors. Well, that's exactly what he's saying here and exactly what this is being discussed there. So it's pretty clear this is what has been planned. So it's pretty childish to try to dismiss how this is playing out because it's on the record in 11 different ways. You can pretend it's for good reasons, but it's still pretty deceptive. And they're working with open neo-Nazis that they have been funding and arming since 2014. I see 2014 because that's when this regime change took place. Now, I, in 2015 is when he argues they began this. But I, 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 if you understand the process, it began in 2014 to set this all up. That's how I look at it. Now, they are armed and trained by NATO and U.S. military advisors. He says, in addition to the U.S.-NATO military investments in Ukraine, there is a $10 billion investment foreseen by the plan that is being carried out by Eric Prince. We'll get to that in Time article next. Founder of the U.S. private military company Blackwater, now renamed Academy, with an I, I think, after it, which has supplied mercenaries to the CIA, the Pentagon, the State Department for covert operations, including torture and murder. Guys, on the record now, we have evidence of this stuff, gaining billions of dollars from it. That's what mercenaries do. They gain money to do terrible things. Eric Prince's plan, revealed by an investigation of Time magazine, Consists, in, consists of creating a private army in Ukraine through a partnership between the Lancaster Six Company and the main CIA-controlled Ukrainian intelligence office. Through them, Prince has supplied mercenaries in the Middle East and Africa. We already shown you this. We talked about this from, there's 450 extremists from Syria, the Hyatt Cheryl Sham, literal ISIS terrorists being shuttled over into, into Ukraine. We already talked about all the other discussions. Like they're bringing, just like with Syria, it's the same thing. It goes on to say it is not known, of course, what would be the task of the private army created in Ukraine by the founder of Blackwater, certainly with CIA funding. However, it can be expected that it would conduct overt operations in Europe and Russia and other regions from its Ukraine base. Exactly. Against this backdrop, background, the exposure made by the Russian defense minister that in the Donetsk, Donetsk, region, Donetsk region, there are, quote, U.S. private military companies that are preparing a provocation with the use of unknown chemicals. Now, with the chemical part of it, you could argue that, well, you know, their history shows they're capable of that and have conducted these things. I could 100%. But you would argue that there's no, I guess, proof, right, or evidence to suggest that that's what they're doing right now. But Russian Defense Ministry says that's what they're building. And they simply said they're not even there. Well, that's interesting because we know that they're there. So then we should ask, well, maybe they are planning this. I don't know why we wouldn't, unless you're just picking a side because you're picking a side. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's no facts around if you're just choosing to believe one narrative over the other, even as we get caught lying about whether these people are actually there. A chemical attack on Ukrainian civilians in Donbass would immediately, and you know this, be attributed to the Donetsk and Lugansk regions. We know this, guys, and I'll make this point at the end of the show today. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, if something happened, especially if it was carried out by their people, and they grabbed that microphone of the world stage and said, Russia did this, without fail, without any due diligence, every single Western press would say it, report it, and simply put, intelligence says, U.S. government says, White House reports, and just go with it. I'll make this clear in a moment. 
We know this, even though it's simply, it's sure, surely possible that it wouldn't be there. Wouldn't even matter. At the fore, I mean, think about how crazy and, and how real that is. At the forefront, ready to, ma- ready to massacre the Russians of Donbass, there is the Azov Battalion. As you know, which trained and armed by the U.S. and NATO has been promoted to a special forces regiment. We all know this. So it's very clear that they are working right alongside these extremists on the ground. Here is just a confirmation of that number report, even from U.S. propaganda. How long could Ukraine hold out against a new Russian invasion? Here's where it tells you. Ukraine's military is now estimated to have a total of around 145,000 to 150,000 troops. Now, this is largely these contractors. Here is the Time Magazine discussion from July 7, 2021. Exclusive. Documents reveal Eric Prince's $10 billion plan to make weapons and create an army in Ukraine. Make weapons, huh? So you're manufacturing weapons and creating a private army in Ukraine before this all starts. And that's not suspect? Of course, they're all going to say is, well, because we knew Russia was going to do this. They'd never. I mean, if they, if they were so certain and they repeated that for three months straight, wouldn't they prove it? And why weren't they saying it then? I mean, they were quietly. They've been saying this for eight years because that's the plan. They've been trying to push them into this since this all started, since the regime change took place. But this just blows my mind, guys. I, I chose not to go through this today. There was a couple parts in here. I, I always do that. I'm going to try to find them. But <laughs> I, there, the real point here in the interest of time is just to recognize this is on the record, not because Time Magazine said it, but because it's happening and it's easy to prove. But yet nobody wants to address this today. We've, we've built, they have built alongside the CIA and alongside open neo-Nazi groups that they have built a private army that's being built and it was built then to be used against Russia. And you're using military contractors while pretending that the U.S. doesn't have a presence there. This is, if there's no better word than dishonest, it's malicious, guys. They are lying to you about what's really happening while using your money to build a quiet, secret, dangerous army that's being used alongside bad extremists. For your freedom, apparently. Now, here is, uh, this is a Asian News International pointing out that Western countries have increased the dispatch of mercenaries to the combat zones in Ukraine. Now, this is being cited at the Russian embassy. Now, if I had read this first to you, and you weren't watching everything else, and you didn't believe everything else we were saying, you would go, oh, it must be fake news, because it's not Russia, Russia said. Well, except for the fact that they've already admitted it before we got here, right? This is 100% happening. And Zelensky himself has said, what, 160 Thousand, I think it was, I forget the number he said, of, of foreign people coming in to join them. Well, it says the U.S. launched a large-scale campaign to recruit private military outfits such as Blackwater, Cubic, and DynCorp. DynCorp, still, to this day, this is the March 5th, 2022. DynCorp, the very group that is very clearly involved in sex trafficking, manipulation, and been caught for it multiple times, and been constantly missing, avoiding any kind of accountability whatsoever. Right now, DynCorp is working inside of Ukraine. The French Foreign Legion also plans to send ethnic Ukrainians. A number of fighters are expected to come from Germany, according to Russian embassy. Right, Germany, the other location where the Azov Battalion has an international arm. Don't miss, this is clear, guys. They are building this right now. Here's another one. This is Western countries allowed to their citizens to take part in hostilities in Russia. And it simply makes the same point. Large-scale campaign to recruit private military outlets. Academy, DynCorp. 
Here is BuzzFeed News from 2019. Inside the Shadow War, fought by Russian mercenaries. Well, this is interesting. It says the Wagner Group, and this whole thing is about trying to frame Russia, not frame them, pointing out that Russia's using proxies and, and different mercenaries, which literally every government in every war around the world does today. That's my point. That is the new future of warfare. Or not the future, that's the new warfare. The Wagner Group has ties to Russian President Putin, and this is the funny part. They go out of their way to try to make this tied to Putin when you can't really make the clear connection, yet you will find obvious connections to the other side. But it says has clear connections to not even him, but his inner circle, but blurs the line between what is and isn't happening in Moscow's orders, which basically means we're telling you we, what we know. We're, this is happening, but we can't prove it. But we know, wink, wink, what Putin does. They, they, you can't make the lines obvious, but we know. Always the Western journalism, because bad guy Putin, therefore we know his playbook. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying it's amazing they'll write an entire article about something that they admit they can't prove because we know he'll do it. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. But, oh, I think there was, oh yeah, there was stuff down here. Okay. Now, it says, but, now the Wagner group is their point. They go all across trying to point out that they're simply hiring people to be mercenaries, right? But then it says, but Sean McFate, a former private military contractor who is now a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council said that the Wagner Group represents the new normal. He said it's in 2019. Isn't that interesting? The new normal, right before this all started. I find that really interesting. Could be coincidence. But yeah, then this is the new normal for, for the Wagner Group. Not just for Russia, but for many world powers, including the U.S. War is going underground. Exactly what I keep telling you guys. To me, Wagner is just one more symptom of this. Now, even this guy makes clear this is the U.S. government that's driven this into reality. The grunts of Wagner often do the work long associated with Western private military companies, personal protection, guarding facilities, so on. All right, so they're hiring mercenaries to do this stuff. And then when stuff happens, they go, oh, we don't know, we're not involved. Even the more specialized work, top-tier Wagner members are believed to have done in Ukraine and Syria though has been outsourced to private contractors by the U.S. and its allies. It's, it's right there. Since at the very least 2019, and we know it goes back to the beginning of all this, they are using private contractors in Ukraine and Syria. They, that's how they pretend it's not happening. It's that clear. McFate did this kind of contracting himself, working for none other than DynCorp International. That's what's happening, guys. Quote, missions once conducted by special operations forces or the CIA are now outsourced. Doesn't mean the CIA stops, by the way. It just means they're outsourcing specific operations. I know because I did them, McFate writes, in his own book entitled The New Rules of War, listing some of these tasks he performed across the globe, from training local forces to facilitating arms deals. Guys, you realize what he's talking about, right? He's talking about these proxy forces. He's talking about training local forces in places like Ukraine or Syria or wherever else, Bolivia to carry out regime changes, arms deals. And do you think those arms are coming from the good guys, coming from Britain? No, that's what happens once it's public and they pretend they're fighting for freedom and then they fund in weapons. Those kind of secret arms deals are happening with the worst of the worst of the worst. And we've proven this to you. The U.S. government, Saudi Arabia, these guys are actively working, according to some of these uh, these uh, uh, truth, uh, these uh, watchdogs, 
And they, oh, I can't, I'm forgetting the one that reports on this all the time. Somebody in the chat can help me out. I think it starts with a C. They've roundly called out the U.S. government for this every year. They, right now, continue to fund the worst people on the planet. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a list of, you know, like a level of people that commit war crimes or carry out wars and, and genocide. And they level, they, they list them by, by level. Most of the people on the high of that level are continually sold weapons from the U.S. government, like Saudi Arabia. But they're fighting for freedom, though, right? It's all just because we're childish and people involved in politics don't want to pretend one side or the other. It's that obvious. Now what he's telling you is that they are roundly going around and committing, and this is happening all around the world right now, potentially in places like Poland that the guy was pointing out, training those local forces and facilitating secret, off-the-books arms deals with bad people. Quote, plausible deniability is one of the main appeals of contractors. If something bad happened to me, I could be disavowed. If a CIA or special operations team got into trouble, well, the government would have to do something. Stage a rescue, pay a big ransom, or worse, go public. God forbid we should admit we're breaking the law, right? But not so with contractors, how he says, who are disposable humans. Guys, he's telling you right there, as plain as day, he was one. He's part of the, he was part of the government. He knows this. They're using contractors because they can be attacked. They can, be they can use them in a false flag and kill them and claim the other side did it, which happened in Syria. Right? This is how they're using, using them, guys. It's obvious. In an interview, McFate predicted that the U.S. would, would only turn more to private contractors, well, sure enough, he's right, or mercenaries, as it pushes to maintain its expansive overseas presence while at the same time seeking to have fewer official boots on the ground and less accountability. Does it sound like what an honest entity does? A Pentagon report released last year, and this guy, this is a guy speaking from the inside, I can't stress that enough. A Pentagon report released last year showed that it was employing more than 5,000 contractors in Iraq and Syria. In a sense, with Wagner, Russia may simply be catching up. Quote, the expert says, can the U.S. really criticize Russia for using contractors? He answers, no. The U.S. government has legitimized it. That's the expert on this topic who part of the, who's connected to the U.S. government, speaking on the record with Western corporate press, with Time Magazine, admitting to you, oh, excuse me, BuzzFeed, admitting to you that the U.S. government created this this situation. Now, Rick, now think about all the reports right now coming out about how Russians are using mercenaries while they're ignoring the obvious situation happening in Ukraine because they're childish, because they're hypocritical, because they're willfully one-sided. But here they are in 2019 admitting that they started it, they did it, and Russia simply entering the field. Just like all the rest of this is, you know, the point is if I said that on my own accord, people say, hey, Russian shoe, Russia chill. Well, here's the same Western press who are fake news and arguing the opposite now who they've said the same thing. How do you make sense of that? You make sense of it because they are running from the reality. That's what's going on. Now, let's take a quick look at this. This was posted by uh, somebody in my, in my chat. For, I don't think they want me to say their name. They found this and downloaded it for me because it's right now blocked. Oh, I should have had, I should have saved that actually. Where was that? If you try to find, if you, if the, if the, you try to go to this link, it says it's literally blocked in your country. Hold on, I, I can find that. Hold on one second. What's interesting to me is what this shows you, right? Why would this video be blocked? It's not that the entire channel is blocked. It's not that the entire, it's just this one video is completely blocked 
from people in the United, well, most countries, it seems. That's what's so interesting about this. I'm grabbing it right now. I, I, I threw it in my Discord and asked them, hey, guys, can you help me find this? Because when I tried to look it up, it wasn't there. Here it is. Okay. So check this out. So this is the this is the uh, YouTube link, and it says this video is not available in your country, even on a VPN. By the way, it doesn't work. You have to and and, and it, like some it, people use certain countries. It worked for them. The point is, this is being censored. This is being blocked. Now you want to find out why? I'm sure you do. Let's listen. That's not the one. Here we go. New details are emerging in the story of a violent white supremacist gang that made headlines last year for targeting attacks in California. Now, four of its members are in custody, and the FBI is alleging that they have ties to a militant group in the Ukraine. RT's Rachel Blevins is joining us right now with this. Rachel Blevins, by the way, she does a good job. But what's interesting, by the way, is this is the FBI report that we pointed at that we're going to get to. Now, the reason why... They felt like they could, like, not, not RT, but the why the Western press could come out with this at the time is because this was the plan. The only reason this doesn't work now is because we've proven the CIA is actually the ones funding them. What they tried to do, and I'll prove it to you next, is lay this at the feet of Russia. It's a very clear psychological operation. Story to kind of explain. Okay, so this is a very bad group of people but they have ties from California to Ukraine? Exactly. So this started out about this story of four members of this neo-Nazi gang that were arrested for inciting violence at a number of rallies and protests in California in 2017. Oh, and by the way, this, this is from three years ago. Three years ago. Just make sure you understand that. Like, this is not some new thing. This is being called out three years ago. But it turns out that there's actually a lot more to the story. And the FBI recently released their criminal complaint. And they revealed that these four members that were arrested had apparently taken a trip overseas in the spring to allegedly celebrate Adolf Hitler's birthday. And while they were there, they visited Ukraine, where now they're saying that they met with members of the Azov Battalion and were actually working with them. And now the Azov Battalion is a group that the FBI described as this unit of the Ukrainian National Guard that has a reputation for aligning with neo-Nazi ideology and that really has made their name by using violence and intimidation tactics in order to sort of get their political ideology across. Now that includes interfering in local elections and court proceedings and even interfering with journalists and media. Right. Remember 2016, the Atlantic Council even put an article about that. Even though it was a U.S.-backed government saying they're killing journalists, same group, same company, different, different leader, same entity, same people, right? That's the point. Interfering with elections, isn't this exactly what the U.S. government screams we can't allow everywhere else except when their people do it, like in Bolivia, like in Syria, like everywhere else? So now the idea that this group here in California was much more than just a group of guys who were starting fights at a rally on a college campus, that they could actually be working with a military unit out of Ukraine. Yep, and it's the Rise Above Movement, the group that is literally the international arm of the Aza Battalion, which I've already told you. The one thing that, they're, that they don't want you to know is that the CIA has built that group. And that is why it's here in the United States, right? They wanted you to think that, oh, no, the U.S. people are going over and radicalizing themselves anywhere, as long as it comes back to you and your choice. But it's not. 
It was a manipulation. Now, I want to make sure people hear that because somebody commented that the other day as if that wasn't my point. Understand that Charlottesville, the whole point is that is a manipulation. That's the whole point because it's not just some organic movement from the United States. It is an operation from Azov Battalion, at the very least, that's connected to them, which means it's being driven has created a lot of concern, essentially, and it's really got people talking and wishing that the media would cover it to talk about what was actually going on here and if any other groups were involved. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we hear the story coming out of California, very isolated. However, is this starting to spread? Is this something that's popping up in other, maybe even more rural places, uh, that thanks to the Internet, that these guys can all connect? Yeah, well, not just rural, but remember Germany, Italy, multiple locations. I think that's the biggest question coming out of this. I mean, this group specifically used the Internet to spread their ideas and to spread videos of them inciting violence. And that was a really big thing that they used to recruit members. I genuinely believe that was a, this is all part of the plan. I can't, that part I can't prove, but my opinion is 100% that they, you, they, the plan was to go out to these rallies and start fights and be violent and create the image of what they wanted it to be so they could then paint it as a problem and tie it back to the Trump administration, which is exactly what they did, despite the fact that that's, it's very clearly an illusion to a large degree. Eventually. So a lot of these people that joined knew what they were getting into. And I think that a lot of people watching at home, they may look at it and say, well, I'm not at the campus on Berkeley at a really big politically charged rally, so I don't have anything to worry about. But I think that's really why it's important to follow stories like this and to figure out what comes out of this and if there were other groups that were involved so that we know what we're dealing with here and if there's a chance that violence like this and that this kind of rhetoric could spread past just the rallies where it has been so far. Well, like Now, right here, it's, you know, my, this is my point, guys. Even this discussion is very clearly like aligning with the larger mainstream narrative, except that you already know the CIA funded and built this. Right? That's not discussed in this segment. Just recognize the point is that it's, it's been openly on the record that that rise above movement was tied back to Azov. And my point is because they wanted that to be the case. With any group, we hope that if the FBI takes out the head, the rest of it is so disorganized, it will go away. Thank you so much for following this, Rachel. Okay. So I think what I'm going to do real quick, I was going to jump to something. I'm going to jump ahead to that FBI report. Yeah, because I got a bunch of things I want to read in there before. So I'm going to re rearrange really quickly. Okay, so we just talked about this. We did the, the recent article that kind of framed it as something new, even though it's very, very, my point is it's a very public conversation. But see, at, even this report is trying to hide the fact that it was being funded from the CIA, which we now know. Like, verifiably understand. We know not only have they been building this there, but in fact has now been admitted from a new article. Ah, oh, son of a gun. Come on. Damn it. Just bear with me if you can hear me. Uh, so... I guess I don't, I'm going to try to fill, I don't know if you guys can still hear me. I just, everything just went, went down again. Everything. Now it's coming back. It's that, it's the weird thing that happened the other day. So I think my audio might still be coming through. If I remember that correctly, all my stuff came back. I don't even know what that is. That's incredible. So let's keep going. So 
not to waste too much time, I just the same, that weird thing that happened before and it got all glitchy and my screen just blinked off and came back on. I mean, who knows? That's very strange to me. But the point is, here's a new report we'll come back to in a second. Eight-year secret CIA training program in eastern Ukraine. Oh, and I shouldn't even go into it, guys. Just so you know, this new computer, all different kind of stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, eight-year secret CIA pro- training program. So they're, they're, they're following up on their newest point, on their last article. Remember that? We talked about this in the past. And they're saying, on top of that, we now have even more reports that the CIA, in fact, sent their own people to the ground to, to in fact, conduct warfare. Right. So that, think about how interesting and obvious that is. Whew, man, so just bear with me. It's, it's really glitchy on me right now. Okay, good. So the screenshots are coming in better. Okay, so let's go through some of this. Let's go through some of this FBI report. All right, this is from Courthouse News, the report itself. Now here, let me know if you guys can see everything still. Okay, it looks like we're good. Here's what the FBI report says. Now, why this is important is because they are very clearly proving to you exactly what the RT story just said. And then we'll go into next about how it's very obvious that not only have they been conducting the CIA operation, but that it's open and on the record that the Congress even continued to fund these people. All the way back in 2000. uh, 2000, I'll get to it in a second. Okay, it says, as described more fully below. Before this, he gets into just who these white supremacist groups and the threat they pose. As described more fully below, these people he's discussing, Rundo, Bowman, Laub, all these different individuals, are members of the Rise Above movement, a white supremacy extremist group headquartered in Southern California. Throughout 2017, the defendants and other Rise Above mem- movement members traveled to political rallies, including in Huntington Beach, California, Berkeley, and San Bernardino, San Bern- Bernardino uh, and Charlottesville, Virginia. And the Rise Above members violently attacked and, uh, and assaulted counter-protesters at each of these events. I think that was part of the plan, guys. I think that was part of it. On October 10th, 2018, four Rise Above, member, Rise Above Movement members were in, indicted in the Western District of Virginia for conspiracy to riot and riots in violation of 18 U.S.C. At, 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 uh, 371 to, to 101 as a result of their participation in the events at Huntington Beach and Charlottesville. So the point is, the CIA armed this group, funded this group, built this group, then their international arm went over to the United States, caused a bunch of problems, and then those people got arrested. Does that sound like, I mean, how would we not consider that as a, as a coordinated effort? Number nine, ran, our Rise Above movement was founded in or around the winter of 2016-17 by several founding members, including Rundo and Ben Daly. According to private Facebook messages, 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 excuse me, sent by Daly in or around 2017, Rise Above Movement was originally branded as the do-it-yourself division, but formally rebranded as the Rise Above Movement in 2017. It's interesting. Facebook private messages, right? I mean, just recognize that it's always been there. They're always getting, these companies are just dumping happily your information into the hands of authorities if they just simply say you did something wrong. Now, here's the important part. On August 1st, 2018, a post containing a photograph of Rise Above, writing mem- it, Rise Above Movement members during their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy, the three main locations of their international arm locations, meeting with Olina 
Semenkia, who we've already reported to you for before, the leader of the International Department for the National Corps, which is the political party in the Ukraine that was founded in 2016 out of the regiment of the Ukrainian military called the Azov Battalion. So one year later, they build this group. And then they in 2018, there's photographs of them in Germany, Ukraine, and Italy. It says, I know that the Azov Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and the use of Nazi symbolism, and which is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations. That is on the record by an FBI agent in 2000. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to lose my. This screw up on me. I don't, I, the date is in there somewhere. But the point here is how in the world can this FBI agent openly discuss the Nazi symbolism, the radicalizing members of the United States, and yet the Western press comes out in the beginning of this and says fake news because they don't care. They don't. They, they either knew this was there and didn't care, or they didn't care to even look. It's on the record. And that's why they're now like embarrassingly trying to roll this the other way. And I'll show you in a second. The bottom line is, if we know as a matter of fact that they're openly telling you that they're working with the Aza Battalion, we know the Aza Battalion was being funded and armed by the CIA and the U.S. government. How do we not put this together? Now, the point is, again, from the Newsweek article from January 2022, as he's telling you, it's the Aza Battalion. And this guy's the expert on the topic, Kuzmenko, that they're referencing. It was established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior and later transferred National Guard, which they just admitted in the FBI document, but the movement went international. They have known contacts. Germany, the Third Path, America's Rise Above Movement, and Italy's Casa Pound. Are we just going to pretend that, that the exact locations that they went to, Ukraine, Italy, Germany, and then met with Olina Semenkia? Because this was being built by the CIA. And here's the Bellingcat doc, because this is back, and Bellingcat is a propagandist for the U.S. government. I'm, this is my opinion. But that's why, at this point, they were happily towing the line, because they weren't, they weren't admitting yet that the CIA was funding this. Or they're not admitting that now, anyway. But here's the point. They're, oh, we know that the FBI report details that the Rise Above movement is tied to them. Charlottesville. And they even point to Alina. Mention the FBI report. She works for the Azov and their International Security Corps. They wanted you to know this because they wanted you to think that Americans are being radicalized by white supremacy. Except for the problem that e even the Western press right now is either too ignorant or too willing, will, willfully dishonest to admit that this happened. This is 2016. The whole argument is that, well, Congress even banned the funding of these people. No, they didn't. Congress has removed a ban on funding neo-Nazis from its year-end spending bill. Under pressure from the Pentagon, this is the subtitle for crying out loud, Congress has stripped the spending bill of an amendment that prevented funds from falling into the hands of the Azov Battalion. 2016. The point is that, they, yes, they did put this in there. They did insert words that said we can't let them have it, even though, even if that was in there, the government would still give it to them after they got it, so it's a stupid sidestep anyway. The point, nonetheless, is the Pentagon saw this as some kind of a block and they quietly stepped in before it actually went into, into law and said, we got to take that out. It's redundant. Their argument was it was redundant. So they removed it. And what did it do? Allowed them to directly fund the Azov Battalion. It's all on the record. And again, 
This is what the CIA officer for this article about the insurgency was telling you. A Yahoo News report in January described the covert CIA training program for elite Ukrainian special operations forces. That's Azov Battalion and other intelligence personnel that was launched by two, in 2015 by the Obama administration. The SB, or not, was it the SBU? Yeah, the SBU, the GBU, I think is the, the, one, the Ukrainian special, special services. The SBU, that is directly tied to the Azov Battalion. That's who they're talking about. In 2015, the Obama administration created a program to send the CIA, not just to training, but personnel and conducting operations. They admit that they removed the words in 2016, a year later, that stopped that, that allowed them to continue funding the Ezra Battalion. Here they are telling you that that very group then went international and then became the Rise Above movement that was later then used, even though they knew it was tied to the group they were funding, to blame it on Republicans. It just can't be any more clear. Now... Oh, yeah, see, there is something strange going on. Look at the videos all pinked out again. Weird. Very strange. Let me see what happens when I refresh this. Hmm. Let's see if it stops at three seconds. Nope, it's going. Okay, good. We'll come back to this. Very strange. I don't know what that is. I, I actually do think this is the Brave Browser. I don't know what's going on with this. I don't know how to stop it. Uh, anyway, so going back to the point. So I, I think that is undeniably clear. I mean, let me know in the chat. Seriously. Like, if this isn't connecting for somebody, I don't, I, I must be missing something. Because <laughs> I think this is, uh, this is undeniable. So, going to this next article, here is the report that we were just referencing. Exclusive, secret CIA training program in Ukraine helped Kiev prepare for Russian invasion. They're admitting this now. Do you remember that we just said this? I mean, to be very clear about this, Whitney Webb and her article and in fact, our discussions of this on the daily wrap-up a couple days before that was the first, nobody was talking about this. And I'm not sure, I, I, re I rarely do that. But I just want us to understand that this has been something that came that we were pointing at a long time ago. And, and then you got a lot of these quasi-independents that are talking about a lot of this, writing these long articles about the real and really covering all the stuff we've already shown you, but omitting two very important points. One, that the CIA is funding this group. And two, that the U.S. government has been involved from the very beginning. Like there, there's, it's a, what I find interesting is there's a lot of people out there that will definitely talk about very specific arguments, but omitting important points. And well, so it's it's I, I had this written down before, but the other so the the Azov Battalion. The CIA arming them and then in the direct Congress connection. That's what it was. Because these things are very clear, right? I mean, that's what I just pointed to. This is directly from Congress. So why wouldn't we talk about how the Congress kind of weirdly and quietly made, found a way to continue funding these people and that the CIA has been involved in that? Like that, without those two points, the story is fake news, right? Without those two points, the story is a very clear limited hangout. And that's kind of your answer. Right? There's a lot of people that would toe the line acting like they're fighting the narrative when, in fact, are quietly going along with it. And that's the problem with this counterintelligence today. Or always, really. But the CIA's secret training program, they're admitting, has always been there. Russian troops soon entered the fray. So quietly did the CIA. Here's anti-war, which is where, again, you should need to be following this, this outlet. 
and there's their, their report on that on the Yahoo article. CIA paramilitaries had been training Ukrainian forces on the front lines of the Donbass war against Russian-backed separatists since 2014, and were only pulled out by the Biden administration last month. That is according to Yahoo News, citing former U.S. officials. So ask yourself this, why would Biden pull them out? I think because they don't want to get exposed. Because if they have these people on the front lines and something happens, well, then they have to cover it up. It's more work. But if you remove them, well, now they've already got the most everything in motion. The only, I mean, the only problem is I don't, I think now they're like, they have, this is the CIA. They still have people like Dyncor and Blackwater effectively carrying these things out, but they removed the people that were building this. Yahoo News reported that since 2014. And we're going to pretend that the Rise Above movement, having their, the Azov Battalion's international arm being used in 2016 is not a obvious connection. It's just ridiculous. The CIA first sent a small number of paramilitaries to eastern Ukraine when the war started in 2014. Yeah, but this was totally a freedom movement, right? They've been backing neo-Nazis ever since this started, which was sparked by a U.S.-backed coup in Kiev and the Donbass separatists declaring independence from the post-coup government. How to operate U.S.-provided Javelin anti-tank missiles was something the CIA was training them on. The exact things that are violating NATO's own understanding. But who cares? Because we're doing it now. So it doesn't matter. Violate treaties. Nothing is sacred to these absolute terrible people. The U.S. military held similar training programs for Ukrainian forces in Western Ukraine that have been publicly acknowledged. Now, this is in January, what Yahoo News previously reported, which we've already told you. That no, no, no. The CIA was there. We were only doing training exercises, though, just for, for forces for, you know, this is what they were pretending at the time. Just research and, and, and background stuff. Oops, now it's, now it's the other way. And this the same Yahoo News article. So here's the stupid part. Yahoo News is willing to blindly cite the CIA and say, no, 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 they were only doing research stuff. That's what they said then. Now, good for them. They at least come out with the new report. But now they come out a, a month later and go, oh, okay, no, they were doing other things. So how about we ask whether that's even true, right? Why are you just blindly taking at face value what the CIA tells you to write? You see what I'm saying? That is Western mainstream corporate news. That's what they do. My point is simply this. It goes from, no, no, not doing that, you fake news conspiracy theorist, to now, okay, well, we're admitting they were doing this because people like Whitney and people like the independent media have forced them to address it, just like Epstein, like everything else. We have exposed their narrative. They revealed they've been there the entire time, holding a U.S.-based training program for Ukrainian forces. They said very clearly, the CIA and Vishal, we already showed you this, and the U.S.-based program was training an insurgency and teaching Ukrainians how to kill Russians. The secret CIA program in eastern Ukraine was much more provocative than the other training programs, since, obviously my point this entire time, they're essentially training U.S. forces and U.S. forces on the ground at a proxy war right on Russia's border. Are you really, this is my point, are we going to pretend that the U.S. wouldn't lose its mind if Russia wasn't, is training forces in Cuba? If Russia was literally training insurgency forces on the border of Mexico, or rather the border of U.S. on the Mexico side? That's exactly what's happening. When I keep pointing out that NATO conducted drills alongside the border, and we pretend that's not a provocation despite Russia openly calling that a red line before it happened, it's just childish. You can pretend you don't care that Russia has a problem with it, but don't pretend it's not a red line or not an obvious justifiable reason that the U.S. would use in reverse because it's childish and it's dishonest. So they're doing that. They are literally growing proxy forces that Russia sees on its border and acting like there's nothing wrong. 
During the first year of Trump's administration, national security officials reviewed the program and continued it, which, by the way, also happened in Obama's administration, from administration to administration to administration. Two-party paradigm. You're being deceived. Quote, there was a school of thought that the Russians spoke the good old language of proxy war. The bottom line being that, that Russia kind of secretly gets the point, right? Go build your proxy force and we'll build our proxy force and we'll use them. And we'll fight each other in proxy war. Or rather, in this case, Russia will fight the proxy war battle. That way you're not fighting directly against the U.S. forces. I believe this. I think there's an unspoken kind of agreement that we don't, none of, nobody really wants this to explode into world war because it's, at the end of the day, there is benefit to governments during war, but not massive, long extended war. Now, it says, despite the concerns, this, that's the point exactly, actually. Proxy war is wildly beneficial, wildly profitable because there's none of the downside. You're basically funding this without having to waste resources. Despite the concerns, the secret program continued for years until February. The former officials said that when a Russian invasion became, quote, increasingly accurate, right, because that means it wasn't accurate before, they drove it into reality, the Biden administration pulled all CIA personnel out of Ukraine. Why? Because they knew it was about to happen. The one former official said the Biden administration was terrified of even clandestine folks being on the front line because it can get exposed. They, don't, they, they were desperate to hide from you how they built this, but that's out of the bag. Again, you really need to read Whitney's article if you haven't yet. Way ahead of the curve, as usual. And the point in this, and I'm not going to read it again, is just to understand the Russian imperial movement and how what they're doing is trying to create this. And the point that she writes about in this is that ultimately, where was it? There it is is that they're trying to make this argument that there was a, this is the building force behind the growing white supremacy, except when you actually read what they're talking about here, it break, their, their entire premise of this breaks down to four to five right here. Basically, it says, according to Stanford University, which is what they all point at to justify our RIM, Russian imperial movement, being present in this situation, that's what they all point to, multiple outlets. Stanford University Center for International Security and Cooperation said the number of fighters sent or trained by RIM in eastern Ukraine is unknown, first of all, though at one report they have states that they sent groups of five to six fighters back in mid-June 2014. That is all they have. Some reports have asserted that some individuals opted to stay. Claims have also been made that they just are still happening in Syria and Libya with nothing to back it up but statements. The whole thing is built on, as she puts it, dubious authenticity. Now, I'm not saying it's not true, and I'm not saying they're not good. They're not. A, they're, they're a good group. The point is that that's all they have, and yet that's where they focus this on. Everything we've already shown you is more than enough to make it obvious that this is being built by them, and obviously trying to be laid at the feet of this group. And don't forget, Avril Haines and. Jake Sullivan are the exact groups that are involved with trying to lay that narrative, and yet they're also involved with the building of this entity all the way back in the beginning of Ukraine, or the Ukraine situation, that is. Ah, oh, you're kidding me. Well, I don't, actually, I don't even need to read this again, to be quite honest. I've already shown it to you. I don't know why this isn't loading. That's really strange. This is, this is, I don't, actually, tell me in the chat. Maybe you can see it. I don't know. I can't see it. This is the letter sent from Congress. Before all this started, from 20-plus members of Congress saying 
Azov Battalion is a dangerous terrorist organization, and we know that, and we need to stop what we're doing. And they didn't care. They all signed it, and now those are all the same people who are screaming, I stand with Ukraine, and supporting that same entity. Even though they know what they're supporting. Think about how ridiculous that is. I don't know why this isn't coming up. I'll include the link. It's on the way back machine. Here's what the Western press was saying about these same groups before we got here. That's how ridiculous this is. Of course, here is how they're trying to spin it now. So it goes from, they have a real Nazi problem, to inside, and then of course, then it goes to fake news, there is no Nazi problem. Then it goes to, well, there is a problem, but here's why he lied. And now here's where we are, one day ago. Inside Azov, the neo-Nazi brigade killing Russian generals and playing a PR game in the Ukraine war. They should, I mean... Wouldn't you be, wouldn't you feel stupid if you were supporting this, yelling that we're lying about Nazis and then they come out and go, well, yeah, they are, but, and, and, and they're doing good things though. Isn't this counterintuitive? Isn't this, aren't these people out there going, wait a minute, are we now supposed to support neo-Nazis because they're fighting Russia? I mean, they're all saying this, look, a Ukraine conflict, extremist militia in, in, he's a battalion defending Mariupol. Well, in fact, that's not what's happening. In fact, what they're doing, in my opinion, is carrying out false flags in Mariupol, and the people of Mariupol are telling you that, if you care to listen. Not just hear what the Ukrainian representatives say they're saying, and the U.S. parrots it without question. There's evidence of this. There's videos of this. There's people on the ground. And in fact, I'll show you a terrible one at the end of the show today. How the Russian officer elite is being decimated. 13 generals killed. They won't even get into where that's coming from. Business Insider. You're literally promoting a neo-Nazi group because they're killing Russians? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I can't believe this is how bad this has gotten. Well, let's get into some of their arguments. Now here, I'm tr this is trying to give a counterbalance here, right? Because this is all they have. This is Newsweek from 2017. Realize what we just showed you. From that time, it proves this is being funded by the CIA. But Charlottesville alt-right leaders have a passion for Vladimir Putin. This is them trying to create the narrative. The CIA doesn't come into play here because they don't want you to know that. I've tried many of other browsers, by the way. This is the one that works. But Charlottesville alt-right leaders have a passion for Vladimir Putin. The same leaders, by the way, that we know, as a matter of fact, are directly tied to the Azov Battalion which was, has been funded, built, and armed from, by the CIA from 2015, on the record, and that even Congress funded from directly your pocket. So how does this make sense? Well, there must be some very obvious connection, right? You would think. Nope. They happily ignore financial records and just simply point to subjective things because we know Putin, bad guy, right? The alleged ties, first sentence of the article, the alleged ties, Oh, excuse me, that's Donald Trump. Same, same point as you'll get it. I'll show you. The alleged ties between the administration of President Trump and Russia are currently the subject of intensive media scrutiny. Right. This was always the point. Russian movement, white supremacy, Donald Trump, Republicans, bad guy, white supremacy problem. None of it's real. I shouldn't say, not that there's not, I'm sure there are people all walks of life, left and right, that have disgusting ideologies. Not to say that there is what they painted it as. It's sort of like saying, well, clearly we're hurting the planet, but that does not mean that the climate change agenda they're pushing on you is not an overt illusion. Check out Tony Heller's channel. He'll walk, knock this out of the park, exposing how obviously dishonest they're being. But perhaps less well-known are the connections between a Kremlin ideologue described as Putin's brain 
and the key members of the alt-right and white supremacist movement, including those behind the Charlottesville protest. The entire argument is built on the fact that this guy who has certain ideas has a connection to this group, not even tied directly to them, a connection to this group. That's it. So you can't prove it's tied to Putin. You can argue that this guy has a connection to this group, yet despite the financial, very on-the-record movements of the FBI showing this connected right to them, this is what they tie it back to. Don't miss the point that this, this, it's not showing up yet, this was written back then. This was on the record back then. And yet this is what they're using. Where were we? Lost my place. Here we go. Okay, back to the point. So this is written, again, in 2017. So they knew this, if they cared to actually do any research, because it was on the record. Amongst Saturday's headline speakers was Richard Spencer. So all they're doing is going, look, look, white supremacist guy, speaking at this rally, where there was a lot of different people that were obviously going to push. I mean, we, I, I would even, I don't have the mind that people like Spencer are clearly being misused, whether they even know it or not. And I think they definitely might know it. They might be CI assets for all we know. Like this is a, a, just something we should consider because this guy seems to come out in all the perfect moments that align with what they're trying to push. Regardless, you hold a rally and call it a Unite the Right rally, call it a white supremacist organization, whatever you want to do, even have these, these groups that you can now prove were directly tied and funded from the CIA that go to these entities or these rallies. And all they're doing is saying, well, Spencer was there. And this Putin guy has a connection to these other groups that were there. Therefore, Putin is the guy leading the white supremacist movement. I mean, it's really as flimsy as that. You'll see. Spencer has not disguised his fondness for Putin. Okay? So because this guy who's white supremacist on surface, which I'm sure he probably is, the guy's a pretty gross person, but the point being, because he speaks about Putin, therefore Putin is... I mean, why wouldn't we ask whether he's being told to do that? Or just because he speaks about Putin that it means anything because he's described the country as sole white power in the world. Guys, there's a let that this seems like very clear propaganda to me. In May, he led a smaller protest in Charlottesville in which torch wielding white nationalists chanted Russia is our friend. Seriously. Why Russia? Why not a thousand other predominantly white countries that, by the way, on the record, have far more presence of white supremacy? It's just funny. It's a very clear point. So you're telling me the CIA funded these people and they just so happened to chant Russia as our friend? Come on, guys. That clearly points back to Spencer being suspect to being a part of this as well. But realize they're talking about the very people, the people that were holding torches and walking through the th- walking through these people, or excuse me, it's actually these people. That's the one we're talking, that's Charlottesville. That's the Rise Above Movement. That is the Azov Battalion's international arm in the United States. That is directly funded by the U.S. Congress and CIA. Right? Okay, so if they're the ones chanting Russia's our friend, doesn't that answer your question? They're being paid to, manip- to drive in this PSYOP. And realize maybe even they think that. Maybe it's, who knows? The point, nonetheless, is that it's being driven into reality by an obvious intelligence organization. In 2014, Spencer invited Dugan, and this is their other focus. This guy is is the Putin's brain guy they're pointing at. So somebody who has connections to Putin. That's what they're saying. So this guy has connections to Putin. 
Spencer invited this guy to an international far-right conference that he planned to hold in Hungary. However, apparently Dugan didn't go. Sanctions prevented it. So it boils, it boils down to didn't happen. A police, police raided the meeting after that. Dugan has since become a frequent contributor to Spencer's alt-right website and has also contributed to his online journal, Radix. So you can argue that they're working together, which I'm not arguing any of these people are good people. Spencer has returned the favor, penning an article for Dugan's website. So what does any of this have to do with Putin leading a white supremacy movement around the world? It's a subjective connection that means nothing unless you have something more. Matthew Heimbrecht, co-founder of the white supremacist traditional workers' party, also attended the rally. Oh, and he's a big fan of Putin. You see the, the evidence building? No. You see a subjective grasping narrative being built around things that could mean that. Or you could point that people around this guy have these ideologies, which I'm not even trying to deny. I'm telling you very clearly, there's also, the, even the Russian imperial movement is what they say it is. That does not mean that what is happening in Ukraine is this. Because we have an endless waterfall of evidence. I mean, we, I'm not even trying to play hypothetical anymore. We know, as a matter of fact, the CIA armed and built this, period. And very rarely that's that absolute. So when they're trying to come on the other side of this back then and make this about Putin, they're lying to you. It's as simple as that. Now it says, Heimbach, described the, by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a horrific propaganda outlet, as the new face of the new generation of white nationalists, of course, has made several trips to Europe. The following year, he planned his trip, first trip to Russia for the far-right World National Conservative Movement Conference, which was ultimately postponed. Okay, so another trip that didn't happen. I keep, it's weird how you keep pointing to things that didn't happen and arguing you know how they would have gone, like maybe he wasn't even planning to go. It's, like, it's so funny, right? These two things that were meetings that we're making proof about that didn't even come to pass. Interesting. But again, I'm not even arguing this guy's not a white supremacist. I'm just saying that this doesn't make any argument they think it does other than subjective points. So this, this is like saying because you have a Russian name that you're a spy or saying that because you wear a red hat, that you're racist. That's what they do. That's the, uh, that is the current level of Western journalism right now. Like his allies, Spencer and Heimbach, Duke has made no secret of his admiration for Russia. So, okay, this amounts to three different people that, they wanna, that they're pointing at as white supremacists and saying they all like Russia. Therefore, we know Russia's behind this. Well done, guys. Well done. Duke once lived in Moscow. Wow, it just keeps getting better. He lived there. Wow. Russian state media has also given a platform to Spencer and Duke where their extremist beliefs are not flagged and they expound their racist views unchallenged. Do you mean like is happening in Ukraine? You mean like it's happening anywhere they're arming people, like in Syria, like in Afghanistan, like in Iraq? They don't talk about it. They don't talk. They don't even do that in Western press. You mean like the moderate rebels? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just so embarrassing how they constantly have a one-sided view of this and don't reflect on what our government openly does, but then to take it to the obvious point. Why does Russian state media giving them a platform in, prove that they're behind this? Now, that's one of the only points in this that I'm like, okay, that's a little sound, because I would argue Russian state media is under the influence of the Russian government, just like our media is here. So you would argue at the very least that means that he was allowed if that's the case, but I can't prove that. That's the point. This is a bunch of subjective allegations with nothing to back up, actually tying Russia's government to what this is, while we know the CIA actually built it. Anton Shekov, uh, Shekovstov, author of Russia and the Western Far Right, Tango Noir, tells Newsweek that ties between U.S. and Russian fascists are long-standing. Of course he does. There's no evidence, he says, 
that the Kremlin, as an official body, has ever tried to build ties with U.S. neo-Nazis such as Spencer or Duke. However, both have long-standing relations with their Russian fascist counterparts. There you go. It took you an entire article to admit that you don't have any evidence. That's, that's what it took. And all you have is that these people have ties to the Nazi groups in Russia. Is it not possible that those groups aren't actually tied? I mean, by the way, guys, even the Russian imperial movement, so we're clear about which they do mention in a moment, has been raided by the Russian government. They've actually spoken out against Putin. Now, yes, that could be fake, but realize you have nothing but narrative and subjective allegations at top. But over here, we've got verified records and financial transactions and open discussions of funding on the U.S. government side. It just get, it doesn't get any more ridiculous than this. It really doesn't. I mean, I'm overwhelmed by how overtly this is happening. Let me read it again. The expert that they're citing this entire article to discuss, he says there is no evidence that the Kremlin, an official body, has ever tried, ever, to build ties with neo-Nazi groups. But these two white supremacists have relations with these neo-Nazi groups. Well, of course they do, because they're international white supremacy organizations. Come on. Shouldn't we at least ask what I mean? It just, it just drives me crazy. In Europe, the story is different. With neo-Nazis in Germany, reportedly recruited by Russian intelligence via martial arts clubs. Okay, so Germany, the group that we, this is the, this is the path, they're pointing to the same entity, guys. They're pointing to the third path movement, because it becomes clear as we go forward. Italy, Germany, America. They're pointing to that. And they're pointing to Russian intelligence, but they're talking about martial arts clubs. Now, where else have we seen this fighting and box martial arts, white supremacist fight clubs? Oh, that's right. Every single time they have the conversation about the Yaza Battalion and what and how they're recruiting people. Isn't that interesting? I've shown you like 11 different examples. But I'd love to see an example of actual on-the-record points of the Russian government intelligence using fight clubs to resource people. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure it's I'm sure it probably even happened. But I don't see any evidence. Think about that. But yet, openly, the Aza Battalion is using fight clubs to bring people in, and that's what they were pointing at when they wanted to fearmonger about the Aza Battalion, when they wanted to lay at the feet of Russia. That's what that's supposed to be. So don't forget, guys, this is back, this is written in this 2017. My point is, this was still when the narrative was being spun. They're trying to use it. That's when they wanted to point this and say, look, Russia's using this to recruit them. And then they have reports coming out of other places that say, look, the Aza Battalion is using fight clubs to recruit white supremacists. And then they go, oh, no, U.S. people are being brought over. Meanwhile, leaving out that the CIA created all of it. And they're blaming it on the Russian intelligence without any evidence. Although, it says, our country has always had white supremacists. Russia has given them renewed focus and energy, as well as a ready-made worldview. This take on the world includes overt white nationalism, which despises the United States as a decadent and multiracial society. This is an NSA, an analyst, by the way, not the expert we were just talking about. So, of course, this guy goes, of course, this guy, this guy, the Rus Russia, in its entirety is doing everything opposite of what the expert said is happening. Great. So an NSA intelligence spy is going to tell you the expert is wrong, that he doesn't know what he's talking about, and Russia's the one behind everything. Because they're making a ready worldview. Oh, any evidence? No, no evidence. Okay, cool. Then he finishes with the best statement of all. They hate your freedom. Of course they do, right? It's not the best. They all hate your freedom. The freedom that you don't have. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, you, you, know, you know my nuance to that discussion if you watch this show. 
But just so you're clear, that's what he says. This take on the world includes overt white national, overt white nationalism that despises the decadence of the United States and the multiracial society. That's all boiled down. They just can't get past their tired tropes. Oh, because they ISIS hate your freedom, right? That's how that's how they push this. The the group they built and funded and armed, just like we're happening about now. Yeah, they hate your freedom. Same thing. They're lazy, is what I think. That's just where they go. Oh, they hate the fact that you can do what you want, which that's not what's happening. Here is what they point to in regard to this overall discussion. Russia is co-opting angry young men. This is the link they use to reference that point. The Atlantic, 2018. Following Russia's invasion of... Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Actually, now that now that I say that, I might have pulled this from a different article. Same point, though. Yeah, this is 2017. That's where we're... Anyway, the point is the same. So this is still one of the articles being used to reference the argument that Russia is co-opting all these people by using fight clubs. Here's what it says in 2018. So the year later, following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2014, which is not what this was, some of the freshly minted paramilitaries went to fight with Russian forces in eastern Ukraine. Right. This is where they point to the Stanford point, And all they're pointing at is a flimsy, unverified argument of a couple of people going to fight. And the invasion they're discussing is when they annexed Crimea with the referendum, which was voted overwhelming to join because the Crimeans, primarily Russian, were desperately trying to run away from the neo-Nazis who wanted to kill them. Same which happened in Donbass for the last eight years. And I'll, I'll make that even more clear in a minute. But it says part of the appeal of the strategy is its sheer outlandishness. Arguing that they're using fight clubs and dangerous people to, to bring it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, they're trying to make it sound outlandish because that's exactly what they were doing and are currently doing. The Kremlin can easily argue that whatever ties exist between far-right groups in Russia and the West occur spontaneously and have no connection to the Russian state. Yeah. And you see, notice they don't follow up by explaining why that's not true, because it is true. Which means we don't have any evidence. Of course the Kremlin can deny it because there's no evidence. It's just a narrative. But that's enough? I mean, just take a moment and recognize how crazy childish this all is. Why would we take at face value that's happening if they keep telling you there's no evidence, but we know Russia does this, and we know we the entire article saying this is happening, yet they're, 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 what is it, the fourth paragraph says we don't even know. Russia says they're not doing it. But it says, but whether it be Serb or internationalists in Montenegro or neo-Nazis in Hungary, the hand of Russia's intelligence services has in many cases already been exposed. Read them for yourselves. It's not even remotely what's happening. Russia's ongoing war in eastern Ukraine, which is not what's also happening, by the way, war. Think about that. We're talking about a group that wants to be free of Ukraine. Russia's supporting their will to be independent. They're still currently independent. Eight years past this, or this is 18, but the point being eight years since it started. And what they're saying is, this is like calling it an insurgency. Or the point is simply that Russia was defending, uh, uh, the best point to make here is they, they wanted this to seem like a revolution. Remember, they've said this. this is like, this is Ukraine's Independence Day. Do you realize they said that while their only objective was to take back control of Donbass? How is it a revolution, an Independence Day, when you're not even declaring independence, but you're subjecting somebody else? I don't care whether you think you have a right to take that place back. That's not even, that's the opposite of independence, but they still framed it that way. Why? Because they knew it would eventually become this, because they planned it. Because it was going to be this, where they took in action into the country, and then all of a sudden it was an insurgency. All of a sudden it was a revolution, even though it's not even remotely what it was. 
And it says they waged using separatist proxies under the firm command and control of Russian military. Nobody's ever proven that. Just like they haven't proven, because it's not true, that everybody in Iraq is an Iran proxy. There's support, sure, just like Russia very clearly supports Donbass, but they're not proxies. Now, it certainly could be, but I have no evidence to prove that, so I'm not going to say that. And I, frankly, I don't think that's the case, in my opinion. Has provided a convenient recruiting ground for right-wing fanatics from Brazil to Belarus. You see how they're trying to frame this? This is what they wanted and built, and they're trying to pretend it's Russia. After the Kremlin accelerated its covert war against Western democracies in the aftermath of the invasion of Ukraine. What? Russia's intelligence services dramatically ramped up their active measures. Okay, who wants to point out where this covert war against Western democracy was taking place? Oh, you mean like the Facebook ads during the election? Oh my God, they're undermining democracies. Really? But, but the invasion of Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq and the overthrow of Bolivia and the attacks on Venezuela and the every other place we could point out. That's not a war on democracy? No, no, that's okay. We murdered millions of people around the world for freedom, even though we destroyed every single one of them. Libya, on and on and on. But Russia does things we can't point at because it's only things behind the scenes. And it's a war on Western democracy. This is how pathetic this is. You know why? They've been trying to get Russia to take action. What they point at is places like Crimea, which they voted to join them. They point at places like Syria, which they were invited to be a part of because the U.S. was occupying them. See how they just flipped the narrative? But apparently, they ramped up their activities using radical right and fringe groups. See the narrative building? These groups serve as the perfect unwitting agents to accomplish Moscow's twin goals of destabilizing Western societies and co-opting Western business and political elites. By forging ties to radical groups of the far right, and sometimes the far left, <laughs> I guess they leave that part out today, right? Not that one, though. The Kremlin has developed convenient local surrogates that can amplify its talking points. Uh, even as Russian trolls reinforce the divisive narratives such as groups right online, and that's what they call anybody in any side that argues that's not what they think it is. Anywhere. Just because they say something that goes against the narrative, well, now they're a Russian chill, because that's the kind of reporting you're getting from these people. He goes on to say, the statement enum enumerated the group's actions in support of the takeover of Crimea, including intimidation, criminal activities, abduction, storming a gas distribution station, and exfiltrating members of Viktor Yanukovych's regime from Ukraine. Okay, this is the Atlantic in 2018 framing actions taken against Yanukovych as bad. You know, Yanukovych, this guy. Right, the, the fam famous good guy fighting for freedom, right? This guy's a terrible white, not white supremacist maniac who everybody can understand that now because it's been wildly exposed. That is him very openly giving you the salute with symbols behind him. This guy is an open neo-Nazi. Happy, they're happy to defend the hell out of him here. The statement is talking about how the takeover of Crimea, which is their lie, right? That's not what happened. Was take oh, all this bad stuff and even was exfiltrating members of, of Yanukovych's regime. Yeah, because they're dangerous, bad people. But th the point was they weren't there yet. This hasn't been exposed. The Aza Battalion was fighting for freedom. Or not really. The, the Aza Battalion was not connected to the CIA. And Yanukovych was part of a government fighting for freedom. None of that is true. I think that was it in here. Oh, here we go. Its weapons training courses are run on behalf of an ultranationalist organization called the Russian Imperial Movement. They're literally trying to claim that all of this is laid at the feet of Russia. It says, what, which was actively involved in the Russian war in eastern Ukraine. Here's where they link to this article. 
where that's not even remotely what it says. One of them, I'll show you in a second. And whose current geopolitical aim, according to one member, is to create a white right-wing international. According to one member, right. None of this is even remotely true. And we've already shown you in Whitney's article specifically of what we're talking about here. Four to five people back in 2014, or at least small groups of them, that has never been followed up on that they can't even prove today, that they say is the impetus for a growing white supremacy problem who is being directly cited to a person who is tied to not only uh, the event 201, Avril Haines, but Jake Sullivan, also event 201, but the, the, the dep, uh, for, uh, let me read it specifically. Just Security is the group that is very clearly saying that that's, they have the proof it's all the Russians on the side, including the CIA deputy director and event 201 participant, Avril Haines, as well as the former direct deputy chief of staff, Hillary Clinton. These are the people that are saying this. These are the people arguing that this has merit. And you can find this out for yourself. Read the article that is wildly unverified. Although, and this was the, uh, here, let me do this. I swear I had this up. Maybe I forgot it. Here we go. Stanford University Center. Oh, I forgot him. Everything's loading funny. Oh, that's weird. There it goes. Oh, dang it. Well, I, I should have had this pulled up before. I forget where it was. Anyway, I'll include this for you guys to read for yourselves, as always. The point is very clearly, though, that this is this is the report, and you can read it for yourself. Oh, it was five to six. That's what it was. Nope. Here we go. Bingo. By mid-June, Russian imperial movement had begun training Russians to join pro-Russian separatists in the conflict. This is, of course, coming from, you know, Western sources. Russian Imperial Movement provided two weeks of instruction and combat skills before sending groups of five to six fighters to St. Petersburg to the Rostov region of Russia, then across the border to Ukraine. Now, this was all the way back in 2014. That is the breadth of this. Go through this for yourself. Small groups to train people. Now, I'm not pretending it's not the Russian Imperial Movement doesn't have it, isn't as bad as you want to think it is. But how is that the impetus for a global white supremacy movement when they're training the Donbass region, the Donetsk people, Luhansk people? And yet the Azov Battalion is on the other side of this, working with the, with the Ukrainian puppet regime and is openly being funded by the CIA and openly called out as white supremacists by the Western press. I just, it's just so lazy. Where were we here? Lost my place. Oh, right. Or no, we were even further than that, weren't we? Shoot. I got turned around. I jumped ahead with that FBI report. Oh, here we are. Okay. Now it says, although these may seem like isolated cases, the far community in Europe is large and growing, and its ties to Russian state are commonplace. Just realize that they're willing to make that broad, subjective allegation without citing much, while ignoring the obvious and sprawling connections to the very group that they're involved with. In the United States, too, the alt-right and Kremlin ideologues share a common cause. Right. Fringe right groups already consider the Kremlin an ally. Like, this is just, like, and this is my point. They cite, to make that argument, at the alt-right rally in Charlottesville, they chance of Russia's our friend. 
So they're pointing at the Azov Battalion, who was funded by the CIA, who works on the other side, and arguing that is the tie to the groups to the Kremlin. Like they don't. This is they were. This was banking on the lie that the CIA wasn't involved. Look at how flimsy and transparent that is. The Charlottesville Rise Above movement is literally the group that is the the international arm of the of the Azov Battalion. Busted. Finally, these are the, these are articles they point at in regard to one of the Ukraine the nationalists that are joining these groups. Now, here's what it says: Ukrainian nationalists have caught Raphael Raphael Luce Vargi, a Brazilian mercenary who fought on the side of the Russian-led troops against the Ukrainian army in Donbass. They're trying to frame this guy as an extremist. Now, he might be. My point is simply that they didn't even... He is being caught by extremists, open extremists, and was and arrested for fighting on the other side. Now, isn't it possible that he went to go fight for them because he believed in their cause? Why is that not something we're able to wrap our minds around? Because I stand with Ukraine and we're all propagandized. Like, what if both sides have a reason to fight for what they believe in? It's just so funny how we all have a childish mentality about this if we're inside the two-party paradigm. But its point is, in Donbass against Eastern Ukraine, and brought to him, brought him to the office of the SBU, Security Service of Ukraine, the group directly tied and infiltrated by the Azov Battalion. So open neo-Nazis are arresting the guy that they're claiming is a neo-Nazi because he's a neo-Nazi, right? No, it's because he's fighting, most likely, on the, on this, the other side. Now, the point is that this is the best they have for making it seem like they're building a white nationalist army. Here is going back even further to uh, a couple months before, or months after, in fact. And it says, this person, uh, the, the, Pol-Hod, Pol- the Pavlohorod <laughs> District Court of Ukraine's, this region, took into custody a Brazilian national, Rafael, who had earlier confessed in fighting on the side of the DPR. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not confession. He's working. He's fighting on the side. There's an open battle happening here. And they brought him to the Kiev office for the SBU security service. The same group, by the way, that shot their own person in the back of the head right outside the court. Right, the one they called called a spy and didn't care to prove. Now, this lawyer says that the defendant was unable to return to Brazil because, quote, the Ukrainian authorities had not got given his passport back and travel documents to Brazil. Well, that's interestingly correlating to what we just heard, isn't it? Taking their passports when they try to leave, even though they were shown to be or allowed to go and they wouldn't let him because they stole his passport. Sort of like what that other person just told us from the United States. Anyway, this is the best they have, 2018. That's what they cite as the examples of the people they're taking. And yet, this is the kind of stuff we have on the record from what the CIA is funding. This is my article called The U.S. and Government, US Government and Corporate Media Desperately Attempt to Rewrite History to Hide the Truth About Ukraine. Here is commentary. Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem. Back in 2018. Hard to miss. Now, I wanted you to make sure you see the weird connection. Don't miss the obvious Nazi symbols all over the place, which are all over everybody you're seeing on the Western press, besides them trying to hide that. They keep showing them in pictures and deleting the articles, and it keeps, it's just, it's pretty embarrassing. They know what they're doing. This is the rise, excuse me, this is the Azov Battalion in Ukraine. In, uh, this was 2018. Here, or excuse me. Well, I think no, I don't think this was in 2018. I think the picture. Anyway, the picture is from before that. I'm pretty sure. Regardless, same point. Is here's the Alpha Battalion in Ukraine. Here, weirdly, exactly the same is the Rise Above movement in Charlottesville. 
I mean, how do you miss that? That's coordination. Now, whether you, because you say because they want, you know, a white supremacist and they're doing this, that, even, you could even say that. But you can't say that and not recognize the CIA was the ones that drove this into reality. Azov Italian tied to Charlottesville CIA. Very important. Now, we're jumping past the FBI documentation yet again that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's what happened, that they were 100% founded by this group that then led to what they are and their international ID. I mean, it's very clear. And then, of course, the reality that they did fund them from the Congress and from the CIA, as we've talked about right there. All the way back, training program with the Ukrainian special operations. That's what we just pointed at. It's impossible to miss, guys. Now, here's President Zelensky. Now, we're way past our time, so I'm going to try to wrap this up reasonably quick. Here's President Zelensky, or Puppet Zelensky, engaging with, this is what Ritter just pointed out, engaging with the people on the ground, the Azov Battalion. Now that, that, I just wanted you to see the engagement. That was obviously hostile. The way he stepped forward was obviously, and this is exactly what Ritter was referencing. I just want to make sure I found this for you guys. As this person translating, he's going, no, no, listen, I'm the president. I'm 41 years old. I'm not some random whatever. I'll tell you, push your weapons away. Look is a Russian criminal slang word for not so wise. The point is, guys, he's not in control. These white supremacist entities on the ground are being funded by, they probably know that, by outside entities. They don't believe this person. He's not in control of this. He never has been. Just like Guaido, it's the same difference. Interesting to recognize. Now, here is Joseph Fong simply pointing to Ray, Mc, uh, Ray McGovern, who uh, somebody you should, I mean, I don't agree with everything he does, but the point is that he's, I believe he's pretty on the nose with a lot of stuff. This is a uh, actually a podcast. Here's the actual, uh, oh, wait, no, oh, that's right. The link's right here. You can check the link out for yourself. It's a podcast, and it simply cites the podcast discussions. But in the article, there's also written stuff as well. But I just want to read to you what the podcast says. And I did confirm it myself. This is what they're talking about. This is Scott Ritter talking about this. Ukraine has been used. Ukraine has been used by NATO, by the United States, as a foil against Russia. And now Ukraine is paying the ultimate price. I have nothing but sympathy for the Ukrainian civilians who aren't members of the neo-Nazi group. My exact point. I have nothing but sympathy for the Ukrainian military who aren't affiliated with the neo-Nazi groups. Now, I take issue with that only because I think that's already been taken away. I think they've infiltrated these groups. And even Ritter said the same thing in a recent, a recent discussion where he said they put people to tops. But then you could argue underneath them, they're not the same, you know, nuance. But I have no sympathy for the Ukrainian government and no sympathy for the neo-Nazis. He says, Ray, you mentioned the anger that the Russians have. And in out of Ukraine, likely, you'll hear people all about this, like about Odessa, about the 30, and the number may be 50. Do, you, do people realize that a few weeks after the Maiden Revolt, Russian-speaking speaking people in Odessa gathered together in a demonstration against what they believed was the abuse they were receiving at the hands of these neo-Nazi Ukrainian nationalists? Just like the Crimeans, just like the Donbass people. And they were ushered into a hall and burned alive, burned alive, live on TV. And the Russians are outraged. Nobody in the world. I mean, if Hezbollah put 50 Jews in a building and burned them alive, we'd still be making movies about it today. It's an outrage. They burned 30 to 50 Russian-speaking people alive for daring to say, hey, we don't like what you're doing. And the world was silent. Do you know 
uh, do you want to know why Russian is enraged? That's one reason. The other reason is that Nazi Germany about the SOBs that invaded their country on June 22nd, 1941 and killed over 23 million people in brutal war. And the Soviets were able to push them out, kick over the den of the devil in Berlin and terminate, uh, terminate Adolf Hitler and the Nazi ideology. And now it's reemerging in Ukraine on the border in a manner that has destroyed Russian lives. Now, you could argue that there's misinformation in the history around that. My point is simply that Scott Ritter is saying this around the reality that Russia, to a degree, and I know people have a different opinion about Russia's involvement in other things around this, but simply that on the surface level of narrative, this doesn't make sense. There's, there's interesting dynamics here when you can see the CIA clearly building an illusion around this. You can listen to the podcast for yourself. Here, by the way, is what ha- is that story. Ukraine clashes, dozens dead after Odessa building fire. That's how they break the title. Here's what it says. More than 30 people were killed in violent and chaotic clashes in the southern Ukrainian city of Odessa on Friday as pro-Ukraine activists stormed a building defended by protesters opposed to the current government in Kiev and in favor of closer ties with Russia. Interior Minister Arsen Avakov. Oh, wait, come on. Seriously? How did I lose that? Hold on. It's frustrating. <laughs> well, hold on, I just lost his name all of a sudden. It is Arson. Interesting name. There it is. I don't know how I lost that. So here is the guy we're talking about. I just talked about this guy. Ukrainian interior minister with close ties to the far right resigns. Of course, he resigned recently because they were about to, this was about to kick off and they wanted this guy out of the way because he's already been exposed as directly tied to the very thing they're trying to blame on Russia. But back then, here, oh, he's the good guy, right? Interior minister Arsen Avakov said Ukrainian forces had seized control of a television tower near the rebel stronghold where there was a heavy fighting on Friday. We're not stopping, he wrote on a Facebook page, but gave no information on the casualties. Odessa's large Soviet era trade union building was set alight on Friday as the pro-Ukraine activists mounted an assault. Police said at least 31 people choked to death in the smoke or were killed while jumping out of windows. Guys, that these that's how they cover this story. This is an open extremist who has on the record said these people need to be cleansed. These people are openly talking about ethnically cleansing these Russian speakers in their country. They burn them alive in a building, and his point, Ritter, is that they don't even care. The media ignores it. And this is how they cover it, even while they basically admit that these are the people that put, they just let the fire burn. How disgusting is this? They were building the narrative then, and they're still trying to do it now. This is horrific. Now, here is Clint Torres pointing this article about the about Azov ties to the battalion, or the ties to Charlottesville and the CIA. And this guy simply posts, the heroes of Mariupol. Thank God for freedom fighters. Now, maybe he's being sarcastic, I don't know. But the point simply is, don't forget, that's how they're trying to do this now. Right, we just showed you this. Where was that? They're trying to cross this over right now. I I forgot where that was. Shoot. <laughs> Into being a good thing. Right, that these are these guys are fighting for, like they're, try, they, they're now rising up to fight against bad guy generals. Where was that? That's funny. Well, anyway. There it is. So neo-Nazi brigades killing Russian generals. That's, that's the evolution of this narrative now. 
right? The very people that were burning Russian speakers alive are now trying to be rationalized because Russia bad. So you're okay with that then, right? You're okay with burning people alive. Like, this is the sentiment coming from all of this, guys. Russian bad. Not Russian government, Russian people. And that's what's happening right now. And they're all basically admitting this without saying it. Now, here's an, a discussion, Scott Horton having a discussion about the background of this war. And he discusses exactly the point about how they've built and are using Nazis in Ukraine. And here is still, this was on March 13th. This is still what people that aren't paying attention have absorbed from the Western nonsense. Because all they got was a glimpse of them going, there's no Nazis in Ukraine, you anti-conspiracy Nazi racist people. And then they quietly come back and go, well, there's a small problem, but here's why they're lying. And the guys like this Powell here don't see that because they're not paying attention. What a bunch of nonsense, he says. Nazi in Ukraine? Dude, really? Ukraine just wants to be free. What's next, Poland? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Always stand up against bullies. These are people that are just blindly, childishly following what they're told because they believe that's what good people do. And I simply said, worth reading. If you truly want to understand, even the Nazi point is not what you may think. Not necessarily pointing at Ukrainians. That's exactly why this was done. Plausible deniability. Everything in the article cited and sourced mostly go to government and mainstream media to make the point. Looks like he might have responded. Let's see what happens. Nope. Says there was two responses. Let's see. This person says... I don't know. I don't like to read off the cuff. I don't know what it's going to say. But the point is simply that this is what we get, guys. These are the people, and maybe maybe it's fake, maybe it's a bot, I don't know. But these are some of the people out there, the two-party paradigm, I argue, they're just completely lost on this. They just have, even as it's being admitted by the very people that they're listening to, they're going, that's fake news, Nazi, stupid. <laughs> it's just funny. But here is people on the ground, C-14, in fact, the, these group, the 14 stands for some words, 14 words that argue that white people rule the world, whatever the argument is, neo-Nazi stuff. But this is Yvonne Karas, the leader of Ukraine's neo-Nazi terror gang, as, as Alex puts it, C-14, and him speaking earlier this month. And guess what he says, guys? The opposite, literally the diametric opposite of everything the government is telling you right now, saying that, no, 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 we're not there. They're, well, let me play it for you. He's challenging what the Western narrative is. Now he says, we're now, we're now being given so much weaponry. Not because, as some say, the West is helping us. Not because they want the best for us, but because we reform the tasks for the West. It's right there. We perform the tasks set by the West. Oops. This is the point, guys. These are people that have been built that they don't have full control over, just like with Syria. They're just, these are bad people that they use, like they always have, like Dr. Ishii, like Project Paperclip, like every other person, Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, every one of the people that they moments ago were working with are suddenly the worst bad guy around. They're using this people, these people. He's telling you that we're not, that we're, we do what we want. We take, we're taking weaponry because we take out, we carry out tasks for them and have been. Because we are the only ones who are ready to do them. Because we have fun. We have fun killing. And we have fun fighting. And they, dang it, this, damn it, this stupid thing is freezing on me.
I don't care if it takes me 500 hours, I'm going to make sure this reads out. And they like, and they're like, wow, let's see what's going to happen. And that is the reason for the new alliance. Turkey, Poland, Britain, and Ukraine. Right, exactly. Poland. Right, so now when, when Russia makes it, takes action because of that obvious and crazy red line being crossed, in regard to how this is all being tied together, like, and I've already shown you this, they have military weapons on, in Poland pointed right at Russia right now. I mean, the, the, the point is, the red line's already been crossed, guys. We are the flagmen here because we have started a war that has not been seen for 60 years. So imagine how many weapons we have, how many veterans we have. And now imagine Russia falls apart, turns into five different Russias or whatever. We have the most javelins on the European continent. Maybe only the UK has more. Right, that, right there, that is a violation in a thousand different ways. And it's been happening since the beginning. I shouldn't say a thousand different ways, but it's an obvious violation. And that's what they blame Russia for doing, right? This potential of these armed forces will immediately become a problem for all those who are now trying to give us problems. Meaning he's threatening anybody out there who's trying to stop what they're doing. It is our joy and our sorrow. You need to understand why. Yes, it's hard. Not because we are Ukrainians, because we, they said we've suffered 300 years. Why finally everything good not just given to us we such a good people. We want to join Europe. NATO is what they're talking about. No, we are a huge, powerful state, and we come to power. And by the way, he was quoting what they were saying about that, which is what they want. That's the, the entity, the agenda is to get them into NATO, in my opinion. But it says, no, we are a huge, powerful state. And if we come to power, it will be both joy and problems for the whole world. Therefore, it is a huge ambitious task. We live in a very cool time. And that is why there is an extremely ambitious, cool goal. Not just... Gosh, dang it. Dang it, hold on. I hit, I'm trying to pause. And that's why it's extremely ambitious goal, not just because a part of European family that has already collapsed. This is about new political alliances on the global level. Think about that. That's great reset stuff, guys. I'm telling you, I'm going to make that point in a second. New political challenges. Maiden was not the victory of the nationalist ideas. Nationalists were the key factor there. Exactly my point. And clearly at the front lines. Right, they're admitting, they, this, this is exactly what we keep showing you. They were the ones shooting people. It's, the Estonian minister knows this. People of the U.S. government knows this. I've played you the video on record many times. They know this. They covered it up and they blamed the other side because they wanted the regime change, just like they did with Assad or tried to, and plenty of other locations. Tried to regime change, did blame the shooting on it. 
однозначно і на фронті. Зараз дуже багато є спекуляцій. Now there are a lot of speculation saying, well, there were only a few Neo-Nazis. That's the mainstream Western press trying to hide the reality. LGBT and foreign embassies saying there were not much Neo-Nazis on Maiden, maybe about 10% real ideological ones. The thing is that such, such a thing can say only a moron that never was at war. He's saying they're wrong. And don't understand that those 10%, maybe even less, 8%, but how much they are much more effective in the proportion of influence. How much their effectiveness was. Endless. If not for those 8% of neo-Nazis, the effectiveness of Maiden would have dropped by 90%. So, it's the numbers, is not the point. Like now some left-wingers, like Biel Foundation and so on, trying to count numbers, saying something like, there were that many nationalists, they had that much influence. Influence, if not for nationalists, that whole thing would have turned into a, great, a gay parade. That's coming directly from the people that your government are funding right this moment. Right now. That's, as Alex puts it, directly from the horse's mouth. But you won't hear this on the Western press. They won't even acknowledge this. They'll pretend like it's not there. Because you can't really call it fake news, can you? It's just simply ignored, which overwhelmingly shows you that they have an agenda and are ignoring facts because they don't like what it shows. It can't get much more clear than that. Here's Patrick Lancaster I showed you before. On the ground in Donbass, telling you his, the center of Donbass is being bombed, which I've proven to you a thousand times over, and his family has to flee now. Now, I, dang it, this is, in, this is going to take far too much time. It's only it's three hours and 36 minutes. So I'm going to have to revisit this. I got to one of them. I wanted to go over both of these today, showing you a counterbalance from, two, from other, the arguments from this side. This one is flimsy and ridiculous. Now, this one, the point quickly, and I, I, I appreciate it. So this person posts this, and I just simply I, you know, kind of thought that she was being, I, I put, I too enjoy how willfully one-sided and manipulative Bellingcat is. Surprised anyone outside the two-party illusion is still by their obviously state-influenced fact checks. I'll review and break down how they don't ask if it could have been conducted by Ukrainian forces. And she says, there's so much fake news, I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate the response. It wasn't, I think, just simply trying to give counterbalance. Now, my point is, when you get into it, the reality, you really, overall, there, there's a lot of discussions around what this looks like and how it looks like it's fake. The one thing they never ask is whether or not it could have been conducted and carried out by the Ukrainians in an effort to frame the Russians. Because all the Russians are essentially doing here is pointing at something that is on the ground. Look at this. This stuff is here. Now, could the Russians have faked it and they caught them? Of course. That's my point, is that I've never argued that neither's, that one side or the other is not capable of it or not doing it. Simply that we only have a lot of evidence on one side of this. Now, this does constitute evidence. My point is simply it's not really a valid conversation if you're not willing to say this could have been conducted by either side because you can't prove one way or the other. Their only thing is to say this happened and Russia points at it. So therefore, here's why this looks fake. Well, yeah, it could be fake and it could have been conducted by somebody else and laid at their feet. That's obviously what they said they're doing. And the point is in reverse. That's the only thing they'll say about the other side. So they're very aware that it's possible, just not from their side. See how that works? Now, I will make a point to revisit this because I wanted to go through this in depth. Now, to finish off quickly here, my point from the beginning, guys, if there is no actual other side of this, whether you have an opinion about it or not, whether you believe Ukraine's on the right side or not, despite all the things we just showed you, 
if you're if you're not allowed in the political spectrum to stand with Russia, how can you have a dialogue? Now, in no way am I suggesting I stand with any side right now. My point is simply that shouldn't you be allowed to? Right now, that you're not. Well, th- this is tin, the reverse image search I use all the time. Tin eye. Look what it says right there. We stand with Ukraine. Why? Why is it every every little thing anywhere's point to insert that they stand with a side of a war that we don't e- they don't even understand because it's politically advantageous? My point is everywhere, anywhere, anywhere you look, you're going to see that you're being it's it's COVID nineteen all over again. You're not allowed to think otherwise. You're not allowed to have a choice. They keep telling you have a choice, but then they don't let you have a choice. This is the same thing. American gun makers helping Ukrainians fight back. So suddenly, the very thing that the Democrats have been aggressively saying is the worst thing possible is now going, yay, gun makers, fight Putin. Sort of how it's like, yay, Nazis, fight Putin, right? Do they not even realize how stupid they look when they're openly contradicting the entire premise of their inbo- their political ideology? Just because nothing means anything when it becomes propagandized. So it's okay. Go send send weapons to the fighters over there that are openly extremist because Putin bad guy that we can't prove in regard to the white supremacist narrative. Here is Grubhub. Donate today with every order to Ukraine. Like, like it's some kind of a Red Cross thing. You're literally sending money to people that are sending money to neo-Nazis. It's just incredible to me. And my point is, yet again, how can you have an actual dialogue if you're not allowed to have a different opinion? It's that simple. I'm not saying you have to agree that they have. you can openly say you're a disgusting person. The point is, if you don't allow the conversation, then there's not actual dialogue, and it's nothing but propaganda. This person's pointing out something that I'm always going to get into today, which I found interesting about the bond, uh, the bonds and how apparently Russia is still making payments, which seems to suggest that they're not really being sanctioned. But then people make the point that, well, of course they would allow them to pay, but not take. But I don't know about that. So I'm going to revisit this. I find it very interesting that it seemed that his point is simply the U.S. response to Russia is a political theater. That's what he thinks. And that's the point that I made in the beginning. But. This person says, how about this for sanctions? So this person is outraged that McDonald's, who is closing all their stores, who I made a point to say, look at this, Ikea put 16,000 people out of business, not the Russian government, Russian civilians. That is attacking Russian people for, this, for the politics. This person is upset that McDonald's took action to not hurt those people. You need to see that the people have been so propagandized, just like the Red Scare all over again. They hate Russian people because they, just like they hated Muslims in the peak of the war on terror, even though that wasn't what was actually happening. Just like now, you're being manipulated. It was always the CIA. It was always the U.S. government and the larger foreign apparatus that involves more than just the U.S. government, obviously. But you were being manipulated. It wasn't just Muslims fighting against because they hate your freedom. Just like these people don't hate your freedom. They're being paid. He just told you that. But this guy hates Russians, apparently, because how dare McDonald's let these Russian people not starve? How's this for sanctions? It says, caring for employees is the company's top priority. So all the employees remain with the company and continue to receive a full salary, which, by the way, I actually think is good. That's good. Good for them. I think McDonald's is disgusting, and I don't think anybody should eat there. But at the very least, they're still 
willing to give their Russian employees their salaries because they're not the people that they should be. They shouldn't be doing this at all. This has no effect on anything that's happening. It's virtue signaling. But that, I, I actually think it's a good thing they're still paying them. It said they will also retain all social benefits and guarantees provided by the company. I think that's good. In addition, the company plans to support suppliers who may experience difficulties due to the temporary suspension of services due to the guest, McDonald's guests in Russia. Good. During the temporary closure of the halls, McDonald's will also fulfill all of its obligations to suppliers and landlords. The company's monthly cost to ensure that all the company's obligations to employees and suppliers will be met. And that's a huge cost to them, which my point again becomes... There's no way that the shareholders of McDonald's would be like, yeah, spend billions of dollars to just virtue signal against Russia. Something's going on here, like with COVID-19. I'm willing to bet you that they're getting paid somehow by something coming from the government to make this acceptable. I just don't even know how that's possible otherwise. But this guy hates that. How dare you take care of the Russian civilians? Right? Do we need to see the aggressive hatred being built by the very people who are claiming it's the other side building hate. Now here, in the same response to Patrick Lancaster's tweet, you know what, guys? I'm not going to play this on the way out just because it's really, really messed up. Here is, I'll read this to you. A cluster bomb strikes the heart of the civilian area, 26 dead. This is the immediate aftermath, less than 10 minutes after the detonation. Now, I already played you the old man crying. There was a clip. But this is extremely graphic. And this is a this is Donetsk cluster bombs that Patrick Lancaster already proved to you. This person also adds it's not Donetsk or it's in Donetsk, not Mariupol, which is what a lot of people were arguing. The missile was fired by Ukrainians at Russian civilians. He's just saying that, you know, that's a statement anyway. I agree, and I think this is very clearly proven, but from a lot of different angles. Here was the video, which is tweaking out on me, but extremely graphic and disturbing. Right? You've seen this. Oops, dang, I didn't want to do that. The point was this is the old guy you've seen who was crying weeping by his family members. Watch it for yourself, guys. My point is simply this. Nobody's come out to say this is fake. Nobody has tried to argue this is why it's fake with all these people and a sprawling, scrolling view of, a, of like a block and a half of all these people being blown up and dead and lying on the ground and blood everywhere. Now, yeah, it could be fake. Yes, anything can be fake. And a lot is very, you could easily fake any of this stuff. Wag the dog, Sternario. Of course, they only pointed out on Russia's side, they failed to acknowledge it, overtly being proven on the other side. So Ukraine's been caught a thousand times for this. I keep being facetious about it. Many times, as even off-guardians proven to you. And yet this stuff comes out and they don't even acknowledge it. No one proves that it's fake because in my opinion, it's not. There's been a lot of independent coverage from different angles of this very clear event. I'll let you guys watch it for yourself. It's, it is rough. Very graphic. And nobody seems to care. Now, in counterbalance to that, here is an article from Telegraph saying, Masha is 15. Her body's broken and Russian says she's fake. Well, it says, she's been walking with her mother, Sonia, and another girl in their hometown of uh, Poli when a shell landed 10 feet away. Masha's right arm was so shredded by shrapnel and her shoulder broken. The blast left her deaf and she was not eaten for five days. Some of the medics, uh, uh, some of the medics, many Russian friends and relatives have told him the pictures and reports of the wounded Ukrainian children are fake. Which, by the way, there's been numerous ones proven to be fake. I've shown you examples. Proven. Now, that does not mean they're all fake. Proven. They don't care. 
Or, now I shouldn't say proven, like that means anything to people that don't believe me, but my point is that they have, and I've shown it to you. Like the video games or the images they use. The people that want to pretend we're lying about that just don't even look. Now, the point is, there are fake stuff like th that are coming out of this. There have been fake examples in Syria, which they even reference in this article as fake, even though those have also been proven. But it says, taken from different conflicts around the world. It says it's crazy. Maybe they can't believe it. Now, my point simply is this. Russia, in many examples, has not said these are all, like, outright fabricated. What they're arguing, as far as I can tell every time, is that they're faking them, like killing people and blaming it on Russia. That's a false flag. Now, my point in this entire article, they'll go through and they make all these points and all these regular, and they just continue to make it all sad and gross about how this girl is suffering, and she is. The only thing they willfully and in a glaring omission do not discuss is whether or not it could have been the Ukraine. Same point from before. Isn't that exactly, if you actually listen to Russia, what they're saying? Yes. Aren't these the same extremists that have been openly saying they want to kill these people? Yes. Aren't these the same extremists that have been funded and armed and to create this problem since the be? Yes. On the record. This is the same group that the FBI was telling you are white supremacists, neo-Nazi, arming people, and they're part of this problem. But apparently they just forgot all this today. So when they cover this and try to debunk this argument, all they do is they're pretending Russia means that it didn't happen at all. And that's not even what they said. Now, on top of that, just to consider this, talking about the location, she says she was walking in, in uh, Pole, if you pronounce it like that. Well, I did the same thing. Just a quick look. Here's Pole, the town. Oh, come on. This is probably not going to load for me now. There we go. Oh, did it move on me? Okay. No, there it is right there. So take note of something. Here's Pole right there. Right there, if you can see my, my mouse. Right in the center. Now, you notice where it's, where it's at? The red is Russian-controlled territory. So I'm not going to say that because Russia controls it that it wouldn't be bombed by Russia. But just ask yourself, what's the logic of bombing behind yourself in an area you control so everyone in the world is going to say, well, that's under your control, so you bombed that. Like, why wouldn't you ask, sir, is it possible? Of course. Why wouldn't you ask the question of whether the Ukrainians, maybe even just bombing Russia because they control the territory, accidentally hit this area? Or maybe because they aimed for it like they're doing everywhere else. I'm just simply saying it's incredible to me that we can't even think about this and this 11, 20,000 paragraph article about how this real girl did get hurt is all their argument is. But we don't address the facts. Sort of like in the other story, how it showed beyond a doubt that the checkpoint that where those journals were shot were controlled very clearly by the Ukraine territory. How can Russia have a checkpoint inside Ukrainian-controlled territory? Nobody cares. There is lie after lie after lie happening here. And I'm not seeing almost, I mean, I'm not seeing any of them really proven on one side of this. Now, again, here's Patrick Lancaster's website or YouTube page so you can check it out for yourself. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave it there and rush out of here before we go to four hours because good God. <laughs> but that was important. You can see why I had to move off the COVID-19 conversation. This is alarming. It's dangerous. I mean, if they have their way, this is going to be a really bloody, violent situation that they pretend they're not involved with and lay at the feet of Russia and then lay at your feet. You can see it.
You can see the writing on the wall. They are aiming this at you. And if we let it happen, they are going to attack you. Just like the bot, your body's the new battlefield from COVID-19, this is the same thing. The U.S. is the new focal point, and it has been for a while, and they've been telling you that. All the evidence is there if you just care to look at it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking it out today. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.